is over new year's is around the corner and 2023 is here ladies and gentlemen 631-672-3108 you are listening to the sports loudmouths i'm your host errol marks my co-host speedy pd go check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com check out all our shows throughout the week our live shows including this show which is live every single wednesdays and thursdays wednesdays at 7 p.m which it starts and then on thursdays at 9 p.m which it starts so speedy what's up man how was uh your little vacation in Connecticut with your family. A lot of fun this Christmas. Uh, very cold up there. It was in the teens a lot of the time, so couldn't really go outside much. But uh, Ice skating. Uh, ice skating, yeah. Uh, I think only two of us actually know how to ice skate. Two of my brothers know how to ice skate. I never done it before, but yeah, it was very cold. We did a lot of... You're not an athletic guy. I, I know. Thank mm-hmm. you for noting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to tell me something that I don't know already, but mm-hmm. yeah, we d- we actually did a lot of the cooking. A lot of my brothers did a lot of the cooking, too. I did a lot of baking uh, before that, too. My grandparents, my uncle came over. My uncle came over. It was it was like a Christmas Eve rush because he had to work a lot too. But it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. We stuffed ourselves big time, and uh, a lot of uh, interesting things. The the gift wrapping. We actually got tickets. Uh, my mother mm. did a scavenger hunt. We actually got uh, tickets to uh, to see Hamilton on Broadway on in February, and she made like a scavenger hunt. Gave us a bunch of different clues. It was a lot of fun. So a lot of different like unique ways to do the gifts rather than just how you did it as a child. So it was definitely different. Mm. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying my candy York right now. Yeah. My grand. My mother, I almost said grandma, both of them may they rest in peace. Mm. She bought me a bag of candy orcs, and I love them. I stick them in the freezer, and uh, they're the best. Mm-hmm. I know Snug would like it. No, I know. I've, I've heard that kind of thing with a lot of chocolate candies. Like, a lot of people love them when they, st- when they stick them in the freezer for uh, <sighs> a certain amount of time. I love them. A lot of people say that's their favorite way to have uh, Reese's, too. Yeah, I, the one thing is, is you you want it to melt in your mouth, not in your hands. So okay, that's fair. I, as everybody says with M and M's. So yeah, so I've been enjoying my candy orcs. Hopefully, I don't get fat off of them. But uh, thank God it's a new year, and uh, you know there is diets. I, I'm in good shape, so yeah, I'm not really worried about that. But when you eat a lot of sugar and eat a lot of carbs, I, I mean, it catches up to you. So, but um, I'm happy to be here as uh, all the fans uh, love us. And, uh, and I know usually people take off around New Year's, not us. Uh, we will be doing our show uh, throughout the week. Uh, you're right. Uh, Snug did comment. All candies go in the freezer. There you go. And I, that's what I love about Snug. Um, at 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst, Carl Reed. We have one guest on tonight and a lot of content. Yes, 
As uh, a few weeks, I think two more weeks left of the NFL season, and many things could happen in the NFC, and many things could happen in the NFC as well. So the Green Bay Packers could actually make the playoffs. Who would have thought that? But, uh, yeah, and, and by the way, I'll give a shout-out to our, our great and powerful idiot over there in Jeff who uh, reached out to me today. I, I love Jeff. He's just annoying. He, he really is. He gets on my nerves. But he told me that uh, the Raiders are sitting Derek Carr. Yep. So very interesting moving forward without Derek Carr. So uh, that means he'll probably not be back next year. Yep. Mm. And, of course, the Raiders. Leave it to the Raiders to go with their franchise mm. quarterback. Maybe their best in their history on a mm. sour note. <laughs> Meanwhile, Benjamin for the last two games of the season. Good job, Doesn't Raiders. make any sense, but thank you, uh, Josh McDaniels. So uh, there will be a quarterback available in the offseason, um, maybe to the Jets. I, I, I know Jeff says it not likely, and why would the Jets want a losing quarterback? But uh, he is still a very good quarterback, and I think he would fit over there with the Jets. He's a quality quarterback, and compared to the quarterbacks the Jets have had over the years, uh, he's an all-star. So, um, obviously, we'll get into the Jets. Uh, as Mike White returns, uh, he will be heading to Seattle as a starting quarterback. Reports believe they most likely will trade Zach Wilson in the offseason. Tua, obviously, a.k.a. Hawaiian Tebow, suffers another concussion, will not play Week 17 versus the Patriots. So that could be a chance. It could be a very good chance for the Patriots to make the playoffs. Uh, um, Obviously, they have a better chance than the Jets do. The Jets have to win out, and they have to beat Miami in the final game of the season, and everybody knows Tua will probably play in the final final game of the season. So yeah, they have to hope the Patriots beat the Dolphins too, and mm-hmm. then lose their last game to the Bills. So mm. they need all those scenarios to go their way because the Patriots will still get in over the Jets at nine and eight if all if they're all nine and eight. Yes, because they they nine. went out against the, they won out against the Jets right. in both games in, in MetLife and obviously in uh, Mister New England. Uh, Anyways, uh, the Raiders bench Derek Carr for the remainder of the season. Broncos fire Nathaniel Hackett. Not surprising. I, I mean, is anybody surprised that Nathaniel Hackett is getting fired? Uh, teams worried about Carlos Correa unknown injury after the Mets back out of the big contract. So I, I don't know if the Mets are going to fully back up. I mean, back out of the the contract that they offered. I just think that there'll be stipulations in the contract, um, obviously with this uh, hidden injury that nobody knows about. And and obviously we'll get into the NFL playoff picture uh, before the show ends. So a lot to talk about. So why don't we get into it? I know a lot of the Jet fans are excited that Mike White is going to play on Sunday. A lot of fans are interested to see how healthy Mike White will be on Sunday. The Jets game will be flexed to 4 o'clock. It's the first time I can honestly remember a Jets game getting flexed. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in the next two games. I would bet that the Jets aren't going to win the next two games. And I know the Jet fans are excited that Mike White is coming back. I do not believe Mike White is the future to this organization. I don't even believe the future is on this roster as far as the quarterback position is. What I do know today is Zach Wilson will not be the starting quarterback next year. Now, I know Robert Sala has spoken to the press, and he has said that he believes Zach Wilson has a future with the Jets. And that's great. Because, honestly, 
What I do know and the people that I've spoken to, a lot of people don't believe that he is. And, or he has a future with the New York Jets. Now we sit here and we go and we, we look at all the games that Zach Wilson played this year. And if you look at his record, I think he is 5-4 and four as a starter. But to me, the Jets have played weak quarterbacks in the games that obviously Zach Wilson played. And let's not get into Mike White. The game that Mike White won was against the Chicago Bears. Is the Chicago Bears defense that elite anymore? This isn't the, the Chicago Bears with Brian Urlacher and that tenacious defense. Or the 1985 Chicago Bears. This is not that Lovey Smith Bears defense. This defense is horrible. Rebuilding. They traded away Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens at the trade deadline. So I know a lot of Jeff fans are sitting here and so excited about Mike White's return. He is not the answer, guys. Nor will he be at the end of the season. And if any Jet fan thinks that, they're blind. Now, Zach Wilson, I, I know a lot of people are going to say that he, he, he's gotten a fair shake here. No quarterback that we have seen in the last 10 years play for this Jets team has ever received a fair shake. Even Mark Sanchez, that took the Jets to -to back-to-back AFC title games, was never looked at as a quarterback of the future for this organization. This is a guy that won four road games in the playoffs. How many quarterbacks in NFL history has won four road games in their career. There's not a lot. Maybe two handfuls. Probably Flacco and Brady. I think are the only recent ones. We sit here and we, we could go back and forth on what the Jets are going to be in the offseason. And maybe Joe Douglas will add a couple of pieces here. Uh, Lincoln Tomlinson, as good as he was with the San Francisco 49ers, he has not been good this year. He hasn't. And this offensive line has not been good this year. Ever since Elijah Veritaka is now out, and because of injury, this offensive line has not moved very well, especially running the ball. As a matter of fact, in the last two weeks, the Jets have not, in back-to-back weeks, ran over 100 yards. This was one of the better running teams in the NFL for the first 10 weeks of the season. That is a problem, and they're not going to beat Seattle. And they're not going to beat Miami if they can't run the ball. They have to keep the defense. I mean, I, they have to keep the defense thinking. And if they don't keep the defense thinking, teams are going to figure out that they're one dimensional. Mike White is a pocket present quarterback. He can't move inside and out of the pocket. He is very slow, as you saw against Buffalo, and that's why he got hit as hard as he did. And you're going to see a completely different offense this week than you have the last couple of weeks because obviously Mike LaFleur who's one of the worst offensive coordinators in Jets history he is horrible is going to run a different offense through Mike White because he can make every single throw does that make him an elite quarterback does that make him the starting quarterback next year it doesn't and for any Jet fan that thinks that and is sitting here play Mike White play Mike White play Mike White It's like uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. It's not working. It's not working with this roster. 
Everybody says the defense, the defense, the defense. Yeah, the defense shows up in the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they make stupid mistakes. And don't know how to cover Evan Ingram. And don't know how to cover any tight end. It's been a huge, huge problem. And if they do that against this team, the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, which is going to be very loud, could be very wet, and very cold on Sunday, the Jets are not going to win this game, and they they don't have any chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, this is going to be a test that Mike White really hasn't seen yet. It's something that loud, too, because even the games that he won, even the games that he played well, the Vikings crowd was loud. That's, that's fair. And... The Bengals, it was a home game, so that that crowd was loud. But, again, it was their home home t- side on the field. So when they were on the field, the crowd was silent. This is a, a completely different animal in Seattle. And Seattle's just as urgent as the Jets are right now. Very similar trajectories. They were both 6-3 and three at one point, and they both struggled recently with only one win in their last four games. So it's a very similar type of environment. Now, Geno Smith, obviously, playing there all year, has been used to that kind of thing. Is Mike White used to it? Maybe playing in the NFC East a little bit. But, again, he wasn't the starting quarterback for the Cowboys in those games. So that's going to be a big test for him. In terms of the rest of the team, yeah, there's a lot of things that Seattle has that the Jets are going to have to be able to adjust to on defense. And that was my biggest problem with the Jaguars game is they never seemed like they adjusted. They were sticking to their four-man rush, man coverage a lot of the time, and never adjusted. And Geno Smith can run. Those tackles could definitely block, especially exotically. And Seattle, they're one of those teams you never know which offensive player is going to show up. So they might get a tight end that could get hot. Or maybe Kenneth Walker catching passes like you saw ETN do last week against the against the Jets because they've struggled in that area too. So that'll be a big test for them. As far as Mike White itself, yeah, he's kind of a basic quarterback. So I don't, I wouldn't expect the Jets to have bring him in as a starter for next year and, and really bank on that. For this year, yeah, try to make the playoff. Yeah, you want your accurate guy. I get that. Zach Wilson, maybe not ready for that kind of environment in Seattle or Miami, for that matter. But for next year, I would expect something else. Jimmy G seems the most likely, I would imagine, with the 49ers connections and with their ties to Tom Brady, if he comes out of retirement, Aaron Rodgers, what we've seen, and or even if they just stick with Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. So I would bank on that more than Mike White being the starting quarterback. But I definitely think Zach Wilson will be traded this offseason. Oh, he's, he's going quarter. to have to. Yeah, He is going to have to because the fans are not going to be excited if they see him on the roster next year. Yep. And I don't want to hear about Zach Wilson's mom taking shots at the New York fans and that it wasn't ever going to work out here because New Yorkers don't know how to treat players. That That's such a, a foolish statement by a woman over the last couple of years that really has been public enemy number one when it comes to social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, speaking for her son when she should be speaking for herself. That has been a huge, huge problem. Now, Maybe she's right. Maybe it's true. Maybe New Yorkers don't give these quarterbacks an opportunity to succeed here. And they want to see growth faster than most places. And there's a reason why. The Jets haven't won in 50, what, 52 years? Mm -hmm. It's been a long time. And I know Jet fans aren't excited to see a quarterback make the mistakes that he has made. Do I think the Jets should keep him? Yes. I think the Jets should... Sit him on the bench for the next two or three years. Let him learn behind a veteran quarterback. Like I've been saying, bring a Jimmy in, a Jimmy Garoppolo. Bring a Derek Carr in or one of these quarterbacks, one of these veteran quarterbacks in that actually know what they're doing, has played in a West Coast offense. And then slowly but surely, 
Let the kid understand the offense. Let him understand where this team is with the weapons that they have, the Brees Halls, the Garrett Wilsons, and maybe he'll win the team over again, maybe because of injury, maybe just because of growth on the bench and understanding the game and the speed of the game because it hasn't slowed down for him. It hasn't. If it, as a matter of fact, it's probably speeded up for him, and he doesn't understand the speed of the game. This isn't BYU. This isn't. He never played against the SEC or the Big 12 or the Big 10. He doesn't know what it takes to be an NFL quality quarterback. Look how long it took Josh Allen to figure it out. Now, Josh Allen had a great offensive coordinator who now coaches the New York Giants. As a matter of fact, if you look at Daniel Jones' numbers without any good wide receivers on that squad... Daniel Jones has had a successful season. The best turnover ratio of his career. He hasn't turned the ball over, except for that one bad interception he added in the fourth quarter against the Vikings, has only turned the ball over twice in the last seven games, Mm. which is insane for a guy that had fumbling problems and trouble sensing pressure his whole career. I think when you you look at the the big picture here, and there's there's a lot uh, to... You know, in the offseason to go over with the New York Jets. Not just the defense or the offense, but where this team is at. I think there's a lot to be excited about with this team. Brees Hall, when he, if he comes back healthy. Elijah Vera Tucker. Garrett Wilson, who's going to break 1,000 yards. He'll be the first wide receiver in, 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 in Jets history to break 1,000 yards in his first season. I mean, there are pieces... To this team, Quinton Williams, who's had a fantastic year, obviously a pro ball player, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. There's a lot to look forward to in the offseason. And Joe Douglas has been spectacular when it comes to drafting. Bringing in free agents, not so well. Corey Davis will probably be gone at the end of the season. In two years from now, Lincoln Tomlinson will probably be gone from this team because he hasn't been good. DJ Reed has really been the only player in the last three seasons that he has brought in. Joe Douglas has brought in in free agency that's turned out to be pretty good. Quality. Don't say Mosley because Mosley was brought in by Mike McCagnan. Right. And it was a horrible contract. And Mosley's had problems uh, obviously competing and, and running after the tight ends. And that's why these tight ends have been beating the Jets week in and week out. Yeah, definitely not the same speed anymore. He was always even more of a physical zone guy in coverage, not really man-to-man. So maybe that's on the coaching staff too, but yeah, definitely not the same. So we, we, we sit here today and, and we wonder, do the Jets have the quarterback of the future on this roster right now? The answer is no. Do we think the Jets have the quarterback that's going to start next year for the New York Jets? The answer is no. Those are facts. Those are facts. Josh, I had a good question in the mm-hmm. comment section mm-hmm. here. Let me ask you, if Brock Purdy is having success in the same system as Jimmy G, doesn't, yes. does that, doesn't that question if the guy is really all that? Let me, let me answer this this way. It's not about the overall skill with Jimmy G. I think it's more of the team culture type thing, because that was the biggest thing with Zach Wilson. We know Zach Wilson has certain good abilities, but a lot of people say that a lot of his teammates say they don't like him in the locker room. He makes all these bad comments, doesn't take accountability, all that stuff. And Jimmy G, while he's not the greatest quarterback, he's a traditional basic quarterback, has been a winner, and he's been a guy that team players have rallied around, too. And also, too, keep in mind, 
I don't like Michael Lafleur either, but he, odds are he's probably going to be there next year. So why not have a guy that fits the system already with the skill players that you have already have? Maybe Davis isn't there. Maybe Denzel Mims, whatever. But still, at least have a guy that's comfortable in that system and not waste all these skill players that are very good. And, and, and here's, here's another argument here. It's not Zach. First of all, Zach Wilson has ADD. Okay? And it might take him longer to understand the speed of the game. And everybody says, well, is he taking his pills? Who knows? Okay, and he probably is. I don't know what he takes, Adderall, whatever. The fact is, his concentration of reading defenses have been horrible this year. As a matter of fact, some of these analysts during the game are showing you what Zach Wilson isn't seeing. And that has a lot to do with coaching. That has a lot to do, everybody says that he's, he, he lives in watching video. He, he lives in understanding and, and figuring out the game and the speed of the game. Why is he having problems understanding it when he's watching so much videos? When he's spending all that time watching game in and game out uh, different quarterbacks and the way the quarterbacks play in this in this offense, he's watched a bunch of videos of Jimmy G playing in this offense. Matt Ryan, he is he said it when. How many times have we heard in the press conferences on all the different quarterbacks he's watched that's played in this offense? And he's watched it over and over and over and over again. As the Jets say, he is a video fiend. That's all he does is watch video. But again, he has to be able to read that on the field, too, if there's disguises back, too. Because the defensive coordinator isn't just going to be the same instincts all the time, either. So they have to. he has to figure that part of his game out if he wants to take any kind of development, whether it's with the Jets or with another team that he gets traded to this offseason. Because, yes, this Kyle Shanahan offense has been great in other areas with Kyle Shanahan as the coordinator. But now that these other coaches, will they be able to help them, Mike LaFleur, take the next step? And we know Kyle Shanahan's on better with, with guys that aren't as talented as Zach Wilson. Look at Brian Hoyer, the one year with Cleveland. And, and and here's another thing. And I know everybody keeps saying you need a competent guy that can throw the ball. Mike White can throw the ball. And Mike White's having problems in this offense. He is. And and I sit here today and and and, and I know a lot of people are trying to make excuses on why Mike White has been more quality when it comes to quarterback play with this organization this year than any year of the last 5 or 6 years. I think that's a crock. Sam Donald has had pretty good seasons with the Jets. It's a shame that the Jets didn't give him wide receivers. He had Robbie Anderson as his number one guy. He didn't have Corey Davis. He didn't have Garrett Wilson. He didn't have Elijah Moore. He didn't have uh, Conklin or uh, Usama. He hasn't had any of those guys. No, he just has Chris Herndon. (laughs) Chris Herndon is not even playing in the NFL anymore. Uh, Robbie Anderson has been traded around. Who's now in Arizona. He's like their fourth receiver there. Now, could you imagine if Sam Donald was playing on this roster with this talent? It could have looked looked different. Now, Sam Donald, has he done well in Carolina? No, but Carolina don't have some of the talent that the Jets have. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and go back and forth on where the Jets are and where the Jets should be. The Jets should be in the playoffs right now. Going into, what is this, week 16? 17. 17? The Jets should have claimed a playoff spot like the Chargers did the other day. At one point, the Jets were 7-4. 7-4. Honestly, all they needed to win was one more game and they'd be in the playoffs. One more. And right now, they're fighting for their dear lives. So is Seattle. And if, if anybody thinks that Seattle's just going to give them a win on Sunday, you have another thing coming. Because they're not. 
It will be loud. It will be crazy. Geno Smith is actually a competent quarterback. They have weapons. Now, I do believe DJ Reed and Sauce Garner will be able to contain the weapons that they have. We have watched the Jets the last couple of weeks have problems stopping the run. And Kenneth Walker has been one of the better running backs when healthy all season long when he's taken over for Penny. And don't forget about Gino running, too. And they've had problems stopping running quarterbacks. Ask Trevor Lawrence. They're going into a game where, more than likely, a lot of people believe they're not going to win. Now, the Jets could really prove them wrong. And we've seen the Jets do it. They did it against Buffalo. They did it, you know, throughout the season in certain aspects of their game. But then they laid up lousy goose eggs against the New England Patriots. And there is no excuses on why they lost against New England. Not in MetLife. Not in New England. And if they won one of those games, they're in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. All the fringe games they had to win, they couldn't even win one of them. Detroit, Jacksonville, whichever one you want to blame on that the most. That's a little difference in those wild card races. Uh, Josh also says, Derek Carr needs to be on the Jets next year. This guy led his team to the playoffs under the worst circumstances, and even his numbers this year would get the Jets wins. 32nd ranked defense and McDaniels running the team is a joke. This isn't on Carr. Uh, Jeff replies in the comments, it is on Carr. Snug says, that's cruel to Derek Carr. Uh, Jeff says Jets need Will Levis trade everyone for Levis. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Josh and Jeff start uh, arguing about that. Snuggles also says in the last six games, Carr has completed like fifty-three percent of his passes, six touchdowns, and seven picks. Uh, Josh says, are we not going to fault McDaniel's for the play calling? He's been fine up until this year. McDaniel's has been absolute trash as a play caller. And his worst season, referring to Carr, is this year 24-14 touchdown interception ratio. Carr is the best option that wins games. Probably is, but there will be other teams interested in Derek Carr, not just the Jets. Right. And and by the way, Derek Carr will have to probably be traded unless unless they let him go. And I don't think they're just going to let – Derek Cargo. He's still under contract. Uh, now, I-, I think they're not getting a first-round draft pick for Derek Carr, no. but they can get a second round for him. There are teams like the Jets that might be willing to trade a second-round draft pick for Derek Carr, and there might be other teams that might be willing to trade a first-round draft pick for him. Now, Aaron Rodgers could be available in the offseason. It-, it is definitely likely he will be because Jordan, a.k.a. Love, and I call him Jordan, a.k.a. Love, because uh, he's the love child, um, over there in Green Bay, because he he went out to the organization, he pretty much told him, uh, if Aaron Rodgers is starting next year, I want to be traded. And he will be a free agent after next year. Yep. So either they franchise him, and why would they franchise a quarterback that's only played in one or two games in the last few years, or they let him go, and they, they wasted a first-round draft pick on Jordan Love. So, I don't see them franchising him. So, either they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers or trade Jordan Love in the offseason. It's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. It makes a lot of sense on why a lot of people believe he goes to Vegas. Uh, Snug also says, Mike White is more quality because the team will fight for him. The locker room is half the battle. Uh, Josh also says, the problem is his contract people wouldn't want to pay, and Carr has no trade clause. Raider better, Raiders better off cutting the three days after the Super Bowl and save $29 million. And Jeff is on the phone. All right, Jeff. What's up, man? Earl, let me tell you something. The it's Errol or we Jets, hang up. The, the, the last thing the Jets need is Derek Carr. 
what a ball of trash this person is. Yeah. People want to blame Josh McDaniels for the play calling. Maybe that's some of it, but Josh McDaniels is a proven play caller with Super Bowl wins. You know what isn't proven? Derek Carr. He probably has the best receiver in the league on his team, right? Devontae Adams, is he? Top uh, five receiver, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, still can't complete a pass. You might not like Darren Waller is like the best tight end, but he's probably a top five tight end, right? Mm-hmm. They have one of the best possession receivers in the league in third in Renfro. And this guy still can't complete a pass, still can't do it. All due respect to the Jets' weapons, which I do like. I do like Elijah Moore. I do like Garrett Wilson. But they're not in the same league as the Raiders' weapons. They're just not. They're very good. But if Derek Carr can't complete passes to the best receiver in the league, he's certainly not going to complete them to the 20th best receiver in the league. (laughs) Uh, so we'll go, we look at right now the Raiders, and Darren Waller hasn't been healthy all season. Renfro hasn't been healthy all season. J- Josh Jacobs uh, missed a couple of games this season. Uh, and, and then you talk about, obviously, Adams. Adams has really has no love for the fans over there. I, I mean, how many times uh, he's pushed over, what, a video guy or something yeah, like that? Poor guy in Arrowhead. Yeah. I, I mean, he's probably one of the more hated guys right now in the NFL. And the only person or player that he probably wants to play with besides his buddy Derek Carr is playing in Green Bay. Now, I understand what you're saying. If you look at Derek Carr's numbers, they're really not that bad. Jeff, they're really not. Yes, he has one of the elite you, wide receivers. Look, 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 you can go numbers all you want, but let's look at Derek Carr when he's in the crunch. Uh, did he score any second-half points against the Steelers? No, he did not. All it would have taken is one field goal, and they win that game. Did he score any second-half points against New England? No, he did not. The only point scored in the second half for the Raiders in that game was because of that shit play lateral thing, which Derek Carr, thankfully, was on the sidelines for. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But you have a quarterback that this year, if he plays in the next – well, he's not playing in the next two games. Besides that, in the last seven years, he has almost had – 4,000 yards or more every single one of those seasons except 2017. You you can go numbers all you want, but a lot of the numbers thing is because they're always trailing and he has to throw the ball, right? The numbers thing can be so deceiving. Speedy, look at those numbers in the second half and in the first half. It's it's 2018, 4,000 yards. That might be it, but 2019 and 2020, Jeff, though they were in a lot of close games. It was, they were the that was the John Gruden Raiders that were more collapse prone in the second half, not as much the but Raiders he, getting but, blown but out. All he's the time. not a clutch quarterback. All that he had to do was get his team over midfield in the last two games. Couldn't do it. Three and out every drive. Three and out. It looked like he was Zach Wilson's cousin. And I understand what you're saying. I really do. And I, I know you. We could go back and forth and argue. Uh, on Derek Derek Carr as a quality quarterback in this league. But what are your options in the offseason? Now, I'm not even talking about the Jets. Let's say Derek Carr becomes available. Here's, here's, the, uh, here's the option. Draft a dude. That way you have him under financial control and you can still spend money on the rest of the team. Jeff. Because if you go and get Derek Carr... You're paying him. I don't, what are you paying him? Thirty million, thirty-five, forty million. What are you paying him? I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what he's going. He's going to be asking for, being that he is probably going to be traded. And if he gets traded, are you renegotiating his deal? I probably won't. He has three years left on his deal. I keep the three-year deal going with him and see if he's worth that yeah, three but the years. Raiders, the Raiders are probably going to cut him. 
I don't know about that. I think the Raiders can get a lot back for him. I, I, I do. They don't want to get stuck with his contract. They're not going to get stuck. Guarantees. They're not going to get stuck with him. They're right. not. So Derek Carr in the first half of games this year, 1852 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions, a 96.6 passer rating. Mm-hmm. And then second half, 54.96 completion percentage, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions, passer rating 73.5. Mm-hmm. Nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Last no. I checked it wasn't. Again, that has a lot to do with, obviously, the play calling. I'm not blaming Josh McDaniels. I'm not. Josh McDaniels should not have a job at the end of the season. He was has just as bad He's as... He's because the Raiders yes, are poverty. Yes, 100%. Like, a he has franchise. been as bad as Nathaniel Hackett. He has been a horrible... Yeah but, yeah, but how much of it is is he's bad, and he hasn't been good, you're right, but how much of it is he's bad because Derek Carr can't move the football in the second half? And you could be can't right. You, you could be right. And, and I don't know if there are certain teams that want to go into the draft again in draft, like the Jets, who over the last five seasons, if you look go, at it, let's go, just, go, just look go, at it. Last five seasons, name a team in NFL history that's drafted in the top three picks, have drafted two quarterbacks in the top three picks in a three-year, four-year span. The, the only team is the Jets. Why no, would the Cardinals. Jets go back into the draft no, and drift? What? Cardinals did it back-to-back yeah, uh, back drafts. Murray, yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. How many teams have done it in history? In history. But, but this isn't back-to-back drafts. No, I'm not. The Cardinals, first of all, the Cardinals didn't do it in the top five. They did it, uh, uh, what's it? Seven, seven and one overall. It was ten, yes. ten and one. Yes, I'm talking about in the top three picks. The Jets have drafted two quarterbacks. This also won't be back-to-back years for the Jets either. No, I understand that. Uh, we can argue that as well. But, I, I mean... The Jets aren't going into the draft again this year and saying, you know what, we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. And I know a lot of people are saying this Florida kid from uh, obviously. No, he's a bum. Don't do it. I, I, if, if the Jets draft the kid from Florida, I, I think they're setting themselves back again. They cannot. I think his name's Richardson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Richardson. Yeah, so I, 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 can't, I can't see the New York Jets Drafting the kid in the first round. Maybe if he falls to the second round, which a lot of people don't believe he will. Uh, but if he falls in the second round, maybe you take a flyer on him if he's there. But I, again, the Jets are looking at the guy from Alabama, the safety from Alabama that's going to be a second round draft pick. So the Jets have other you know, places that they need to feed uh, you know, when it comes to their defense. And, and, and I know when, when you look at where this team is, the Jets are a defensive-minded team. Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach. They're going to build that defense where they have an elite defense and they just need a a semi-decent quarterback. Now, is Mike White the semi-decent quarterback I'm talking about? No. You need a Jimmy G. You need a guy that can complete the passes and put the team on their shoulders in the big important parts of the game. But Jimmy G is another guy you don't want. I understand that. I understand. How How many seasons has Jimmy G finished by the way like how many has he finished that he actually played in mm. none zero I, I will say this i i'm not i'm not going to be here and try to sell jimmy g to the jet fans because i am not that kind of guy and i'm not going to sit there as a jet fan and say jimmy g's the guy or Derek carr's the guy or aaron Rodgers is the guy i don't know who the guy is to this team all i do know is the guy is not on this roster right now that guy is not on this roster right now. And for any Jet fan to believe that, and I'm not going to attack anybody on any of the Jet shows that I listen to, 
And I have a lot to say about some of the things that people are saying throughout social media, which is just absolutely foolish to think that Mike White's the guy. Do do I think Mike White is better than Zach Wilson? There's no question that he is. Do I think he's better than Joe Flacco right now, old man Joe? Yes, he is. But I remember uh, before the season started, everybody was pitching Strevler. How many people were pitching this kid? Oh, Strevler's the guy. Strevler's the guy because of what he did what he did in the preseason. And Mike White was horrible in the preseason. And he was going to get waived again. He's been waived five times from the New York Jets. There's a reason why he was waived five times. The biggest lesson of, of, of this is uh, if you don't want to overreact to the preseason, just remember this. The, the 0-16 Detroit Lions went 4-0. So don't judge anything USA in the preseason. You, you can't sell that to any of the Jet fans. And, and, and again... For And I, I understand Zach Wilson's mother. I, I understand why she's on social media. She's standing up for her son, as well as a mom should. She should be standing up for her son. Because I think uh, his cards were dealt a long time ago. It was, it was really dealted before the season started. Everybody said that if Zach Wilson started the season off slow, and, he, and he, is, he can't make the throws, he can't throw those short passes, he is not the quarterback of the future. And the Jet fans already were throwing him under the bus. They were laughing at him when he hurt his knee against the, the Eagles when I thought the season was over. Nobody thought Mike White was going to be the guy. Come on, guys. Even last year, when he put up that game of, of, of his life against the Bengals, and his, by the way, his cleats, his gloves, and his jerseys up, his jersey is up over there in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't sell me Mike White, because against Buffalo, he, he threw four interceptions in the first half before he got hurt. He is not the guy. And for anybody, just like the Patriots know, probably Mac Jones isn't the guy. I knew that from day one. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. You Alabama look at Alabama quarterbacks. You look at you look at where you know both these quarterbacks are. Uh, Mac Jones had a sensational year last year. He has taken two steps back. Are are the Patriots giving up on him? They won't. I I believe Bill Belichick is is a guy that is very prideful. He will bring Mac Jones back next year. But if Mac Jones does not show up in the first half of the season, he will be gone. He will be gone. Well, he will not. Well, let me let me ask you something. Is there a, like a is there a Ryan Fitzpatrick in the league the Jets can go and get? Like who's the journeyman guy that starts everywhere he goes? I think a lot of people Carson Wentz probably. <laughs> that's um I, I'm trying Case to, Keenum? Case, okay. Case. I don't think the Jets. I don't think the Jets are going. If they're going to make a move, uh, that's not going to be. That's not going to make the Jet fans happy. I, I, yeah, I don't. It's probably too similar to Mike. Yeah, White let's be points. honest. Not a whole lot makes the Jets fans. No, happy. you're you're right. Especially the losing, you know, mentality and, and, they've been through with the quarterback and look, play. I'm not, and look, I'm not a fan of Zach Wilson's mom and her trying to stick up for the kid because it only makes it worse for, yes. for Zach Wilson. It makes him look like a baby. But, yes, but she, but she does make a solid point. I think the Jets fans are unnecessarily harsh on people. They do run people out of town. I think uh, when it comes to the quarterback play in the last 10 years, I would I would agree with you. I think the Jets fans are just starving for a star quarterback or a quarterback that could start for the next five to six years. They thought they had it with Mark Sanchez when he took him to back-to-back AFC title games, and uh, the butt fumble really uh, ruined that. And as soon as that butt fumble happened, uh, the Jets pushed him out over. within – yeah, they pushed yeah. him out within a year. Within a year, Mark Sanchez was gone, all because of that terrible thing that happened against the Patriots. That was it. 
Sam Darnold? Hold on. Hold on. Sam Darnold. There's there's a trend here. Sam Darnold, as soon as he said he he saw ghosts out in New England, he was gone within a year. Gone after the year after. There's a trend. Hold on. And now, Zach Wilson, back-to-back losses against New England. Jet fans knew after that. New England ruined all the quarterbacks. I'm just, I'm just, there's a trend here for the Jets. It's happened year in and year out. And who's the team and what's the team that did it against? They did it against, which hurt, uh, you know, hurt these quarterbacks' growth. It was the Patriots. And I'm not, I'm not saying I hate the Patriots, but this is true. Go look at the games. After those games, as soon as Sam Donald said he saw ghosts, the Jet fans, it was a big laughing stock. As soon as he did that, Patriots players named their defense the boogeymen. I, I mean, it's every single time the Jets drafted a quarterback or brought a quarterback in, every single time it was the Patriots that pushed them out. And the fans, because you, you lose against the Patriots and the Jets, the Jet fans, all they want to see, the when they play the Patriots, it's their Super Bowl. It's their Super Bowl. And they'll lose against the Patriots back-to-back times. In, in two games, you should have won. You should have well, won the first game. Then they're 0 for 14 in their last four. 100%. And, Jeff, I'm not saying this because I, I, I hate the New England Patriots. I don't no, like I them. But I just look at the trend here. It is. Look at the quarterback play. Look at all the quarterback. Well, Mar- is- Mark Sanchez was a, the fifth pick. They traded up with Cleveland, if you remember. That was another top five pick quarterback. But, the, but this is why I'm saying to you, you uh, who's the veteran? Because if, if you just look at Belichick's history, he does really well against young quarterbacks. Yes, he does. He just yeah, he does. does. Right. right. And so that's why I'm saying who's the veteran that can come in and stabilize this team? Like, is it a Case Keenum? Is it a Marcus Mariota? Is it, God forbid, Carson Wentz? Who knows? Is it Baker Mayfield? I like. Oh, I don't yeah. know, but there's. Got I don't to think it's Baker. Of- I don't think it's any of those quarterbacks. I think the Jets are going to have to decide: Are they going to spend the money? They have to pay Quinn and Williams. They have to. Uh, Quincy Quincy Williams is going to want to be paid in the offseason. and uh, they have to make sure their guys are happy. And then um, going after a quarterback that that's going to cost at least uh, Derek Carr. I don't know if he's going to get Ryan Tannehill money because he's going to be gone in the offseason, too. He could be a quarterback the Jets are going to look at, too. I he hope they don't. It, you better hope they don't. Yeah. That, he just got Tannehill money. Think about this. They signed him to an extension. Yeah. And they're cutting him before the extension if, kicks in. If they cut him, he is going to want at least $30 million a year. I think you're right about that. Are the Jets willing to do that? And And if they are... Are they going to sign him for longer than three years? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because you have to prove yourself. He, you Could you play in New York? He couldn't play in Oakland, and he couldn't play in Vegas. Now, you look at his numbers. Uh, do I think Derek Carr is a quality quarterback? I do. I, I do. I think he's a quality quarterback. Can he win the big game? That's the question. The answer right now, what we've seen over the last couple of years, they should have won la- the year, last year. They should have won that game last year. It was against the Bengals. They also should have won the last two games easily against New England yes. and Pittsburgh. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Did they, did, did they win against Pittsburgh? No. They no, didn't. They didn't. No. But Derek you know Carr last year was one of the best close game quarterbacks last year. This year he's just one of the worst. So it's a mixed bag right now. I, I don't know what sells to the, the, the Jets' ownership. I don't know what's going to sell to, uh, obviously, Joe Douglas when he goes into his offseason. He's, he's going to have to prepare on who his quarterback is going to be. For any Jet fan to sit here today and think that Mike White would be the answer, 
it's a mistake. It's a mistake. And if they extend him, which a lot of people think he's earned it, and if he wins these next two games and gets him in the playoffs, they're going to extend him. They are. They're going to extend him. And I think it's the biggest mistake the Jets organization is going to make for the next five years. If they extend Mike White, even if he gets them into the playoffs, and they they play that one game, which they'll probably lose, and every Jet fan's going to be happy because they had that extra win, the extra game that they're playing, that is not going to it's going to hurt their draft status. It is. So maybe they get lucky and they fall at eleven or twelve, where maybe they want to trade up and maybe they have the opportunity to trade up to get one of those guys if they fall well, where are they to now? nine. Where are they now? Um. Right now, let's. Did like you tell me thirteen? Like I think you told me thirteen. Hold on one second. I'll tell you right now. Uh, while you look at that up, uh, I'll just read some of the other comments. Josh says uh, Josh McDaniels won with Brady and no one else. Ray Charles could have been Brady's play caller and won thirty second rank. Not, not. That's also not true. My, uh, Josh McDaniels won a playoff game with Tim Tebow. Yes, he did. Thirty uh, second record pa- ranked defense in football for the Raiders. Yes, snug. That is true. The Raiders have blown four double digit leads this year. The first time since nineteen thirty two. A team that has. Uh, Blown that many years. <laughs> Stuck says Derek Carr should consider the Canadian Football League or maybe Arena. Josh says, yes, drafting and developing is that simple. Let's let Josh McDaniels run that. He lost to Jeff Saturday, should have been fired after that game. How does Carr have success with Rich Bisaccia, but not Josh McDaniels when he comes in? Makes you wonder. Uh, he agrees with you, Jeff. Richardson is going to be trash almost as bad as Saving Collins. Wow, shots fired at your boy, Jeff. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, they, can, they can say all they want about Saving Collins. He's a terrific player that's a starting linebacker in the league. What are they doing? Mm. Josh also says, I have no idea how the love of Jimmy G gets. Brock Purdy is successful in the same scheme and doesn't get hurt. Uh, Stuck says, the Jets have to celebrate when they can, not like they have a bunch of Lombardi trophies. Yes, Wentz is starting this week. All right, the draft order right now, uh, if the season were to end today, um, Houston 1, Chicago 2, Seattle 3 because of Denver, Arizona 4, Indianapolis 5, Atlanta 6, um, the L.A. Rams, well, Detroit Detroit, yeah. Detroit 7, Carolina 8, Vegas 9, Philadelphia 10, Houston 11, Seattle 12, Tennessee 13, New England 14, Jets 15. That's where it is right now. That, that could all change in the next two weeks. Right. I mean, the Jets could fall to 11 if they lose their next but two games. But there's so many teams out there that could yes. lose a quarterback yes. or, like, like, I'm just going to throw a scenario out there, and, and look, maybe you don't want them, that's fine, but it's just one of these things where Seattle's drafting third. Mm-hmm. If they were to take a quarterback, would you take Geno Smith? Because he's pretty good. Yeah, and, and, and I think the Jets in the offseason would have to look at that if, if there's availability to bring Geno back to New York. now. But I think that's what you need in New York. Like they, they're, <laughs> New York is very good at running off the young guy, but a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick thrived there. Yes. So for one year. (laughs) Right. But you've got to find the veteran guy that can handle it. Speedy, bring up some veteran guys that are right now backup quarterbacks in the league, and and we can go through it. And we can really, you know, obviously evaluate when we, by looking at these players and if they fit this offense and if they fit the Jets uh, moving forward in the offseason. Now, there are a couple of guys. Uh, Marcus Mariota could be available. Uh, do the Jets bring in a quarterback that is very accurate but likes to use his legs? Uh, he's better than Zach Wilson, so maybe they can run the offense uh, through Marcus. So Marcus Mariota is definitely a guy that they can look at. Um, would, you, would you take Ryan Tannehill? No, I wouldn't. No, I don't want Ryan Tannehill. So, uh 
they already had him, but maybe they go again. Teddy Bridgewater. No, no, I don't want Teddy Bridgewater either. All right, uh, yeah. Andy Andy Dalton, Chase Daniel, mm-hmm. as guys that are definitely veterans. Andy Dalton's something to look at. All right, Nick Foles. Mm. Uh, oh, Blaine Gabbert's still in Tampa. I didn't realize that. Blaine Gabbert. No. Uh, Chad Henney. No. Okay. Old man Chad, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Josh Johnson, they already had. Yes. Uh, Keenum, we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Colt McCoy? No. Don't want Colt. I, I think we know what Colt McCoy is. I, I'd rather Mike White. Good in Arizona. Yes, absolutely. But good in Arizona. If, if we're going after Colt McCoy, we might as well sign Mike White. Okay, here's an interesting one because he is a scheme fit for, mm-hmm. the, for the offense is Nick Mullins. Maybe. Nick Mullins is somebody that they can look at. Uh, he also played when Robert Sala was over there yep. in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Gardner Minshew, I know you mentioned last week you said you would like. I, I like Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I, I do. If they can, if in the offseason Minshew becomes available, which I think he is, uh, the Jets should definitely look at Gardner Minshew. Right. Uh, Davis Mills, if he becomes available? I, it's definitely something the Jets should look at. Davis Mills has or, been or pretty Jeff good. Driscoll. I'm sorry? Or Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, Tristles played just as good. Yeah, I mean, it it would be. And listen, I don't have a problem with re-signing Mike White. I think the distinction is: Are you re-signing Mike White to be the starter, or are you re-signing Mike White to be the backup? I I think if you bring Mike White back, he's a backup. He's not a starter, and and that tells you that they're going to part ways with Zach Wilson. Now, if they decide that Richardson falls to them in the second round and they're going to make him a project where he's going to be sitting the bench for at least the first year and learning through a veteran quarterback, then maybe – because it's not going to be Zach Wilson. They have to They have to move on from him. They're going to have to trade him. There will be a team out there that's going to be interested in trading for Zach Wilson because he's still fairly young and somebody can fix him. I, I think – What about What about the quarterback being – and hear me out on this mm-hmm. because I was told he was going to be one of the greats. EJ Perry. <laughs> <laughs> EJ Perry's not even in the NFL anymore, I don't think. I don't yes, even no, I don't think he is. Yes, he's stashed he's at the third, bottom of the it, Jags practice is, squad. It, yeah, isn't he a third string around the Jags? He's on a practice squad. He's not Well, no, they, he's not he's on the practice squad. They still have Bethard and uh, Jake Luton yeah. still there. Honestly, right, well, he's still in the league. Honestly, the, the three quarterbacks that everybody's going to be talking about if you're a Jet fan, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Derek Carr. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo might not be available. He might not be. He he could be, but he might not be. Uh, and obviously, Aaron Rodgers, I believe, will be. But he is going to be costly. And I cannot see the Jets giving up. Uh, you're not going to have to give up a first round now with, for Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, they'll take a second and a third for him. But are the Jets willing to give up their second and third to bring in Aaron Rodgers for one year? And that that means, and the Jets have done this before with Green Bay Packer quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They did it with Brett Favre. Well, it didn't work. Well, you know, there's another scenario out there too, right? Because we just saw what the Rams did to be successful. Is mm-hmm. there a is there a Matthew Stafford that yeah. you could trade like trade yeah. for? Is there like one of the top got like one of the best? Like Stafford's not like a top five quarterback. Don't do Russell Wilson. <laughs> Don't do Russell Wilson. <laughs> Denver would love to. Oh my god! Oh my no, god! Like, what a bust! Right, but like you've seen that where the, where there's been taught like some of the better guys in the league that have been traded. Is there a guy that can be traded to that team? I don't uh, know because a lot of veteran quarterbacks yeah. haven't been that good this year. Besides Kirk Cousins, that's really and, and Jimmy da- G and Jimmy G and yeah. maybe. Dak 
back when he's healthy, but still, like, I they mean, don't want Jimmy G. No, like, I think that seriously. I think Derek Carr finished a season. I think Derek Carr oh, would be 2019. His Super Bowl I think Derek Carr is more likely the guy. And I know you don't like him, Jeff, but if you were to ask me, who do I go after in the off season? Where he is a quality thrower, he can make every throw. Uh, has he won? No. But you bring him to the Jets, maybe the Jets and maybe new scenery with the Jets could change him with a new coaching staff. I think they need to get rid of Mike LaFleur in the offseason. They're going to have to decide, maybe bring in another offensive-minded guy to work with Mike LaFleur. Something, because Mike LaFleur is just not working over there. He's just not. Look, I'm a, look, I'm a believer in the change of scenery thing. Like Maybe a change of scenery is all he needs. But if we're being honest, and this is not a slight to the Jets, do not take it that way because I like what they have. Everything the Raiders have is better. Josh Jacobs is a better running back than the Jets have. Devontae Assuming Adams he's there better. next year, though, too. They he's not play. going to be matter. there next he's year. You see, Carr is playing. you see, you see, yeah, you see what he has said. You see what he said. Um, by the way. Josh Jacobs, who knows? He's not better than Brees Hall. I mean, what Brees Hall was doing. Oh, come on, dude. You've no, right now, this year, this year, before Brees Hall got hurt, I mean, dude, who was. Josh he, Jacobs' whole career has been better than Oh, I, 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 Hall, I, I, Brees Hall's very promising. I like Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. I like him. But he already said he's been arguing about the offense and everything. Uh, he is not resigning with them. And even if they franchise him. Right, he's probably not, but that has nothing to do with All whether right. he's playing with Derek Carr right now. That's fine. In the last few seasons. That's fine. He's had a great running back. He's got the best wide receiver in the game, right? Devontae Adams, is he the best or, or second best? Or he's a best? top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Right, and, 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 and again, this isn't a slick to the Jets players. They don't have a top five receiver on their team. No, but they their defense, but their defense is way better than the uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Is way better, but that has nothing to do with Derek Carr. I understand, but if the defense can keep you into games and Derek Carr puts up 21, 20, 24 points, they're going to win. They're going to win, and that's Wait, I understand that. But he go and look at the Steelers game. Dude. Mm-hmm. He was overthrowing everybody. I Couldn't I, I watched the game. Anybody. I agree with you. Couldn't complete a pass. Couldn't complete a pass. I agree with you. And guys were wide open. Wide open. And Darren Waller, has he been hurt this year? Yes. Mm -hmm. He's still a better option than, with all due respect, again, Tyler Conklin or CJ Uzama. I'm not going to argue with you. But Darren Waller, he can't stay healthy. He never stays healthy. Even this year, he's been fighting with health. So, and Renfro hasn't been healthy either. That's one of his better weapons. Right this season, right this season, but every other season. But don't you think that would, if they had Renfro, don't you think he breaks four thousand yards this year? Uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah, but again, the numbers are the the numbers and the stats are just. I understand what you're saying, Jeff, and even in the second half, when you look at the second half numbers. First of all, first of all, this guy should have six thousand yards with that lineup. Six thousand. I don't know about that. How how many six thousand yard quarterbacks have we seen? <laughs> yeah, Brees, zero. Brees, uh, well, Drew yeah, Brees. He should have no, nobody should done have it double, ever. Right with that lineup, he should have double as many yards as Dak Prescott every year. Double. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know what you think about Dak Prescott, so you don't even yeah, have to d- argue. Dak, about Dak Prescott's that. the poster child for what Jeff is saying. He, yeah. All these numbers are rigged because they're against bad teams. Yeah, but <laughs> but again, that's not with Derek Carr. If you look at no, Derek, it's Carr, not. no, Derek Carr's beaten good teams. He's put up good numbers. Against good defense, defenses. Sometimes, so, and then when you need him, like this, last you're time, absolutely right. Maybe the change of scenery will work, Jeff. Maybe it will. Going to the Jets, going somewhere else, maybe going to Miami. 
Maybe Tua isn't the guy. Maybe he becomes oh, available. Tua is not the guy. I don't know. And by the way, everyone has taken. First of all, all these memes that are going, oh, Tua Tagovailoa is just Hawaiian for Tim Tebow. Who has been saying it for years? You've been years. saying it. Okay, Jeff. These people. Well, I'm going to pat you on the back. Memes. I can't see you, but I'll pat you on the back. Here you go, Jeff. Good job. These, these people with these memes now, they're just copying me. <laughs> Jeff, we got to go to our guest. You can call back later. Thanks, bro. Tua stinks. Hawaiian Tebow. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa. Isn't he wonderful? I mean, all the fans out there that just love when he calls the show. And I know, listen, Jeff makes some good, valuable points. He really does. I mean, you, you can't go back and forth and argue with him because everything that he said going up to Derek Carr, I disagree with him with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr, if he changes scenery over there with uh, Las Vegas and he goes to the Jets or a team that has quality players that you could throw to, and, and obviously Bruce Hall comes back and he's 100% healthy. Elijah Vera Tucker comes back. Mekhi Beckham comes back and he's 80 pounds less than what he was before he got hurt this year. Yeah, I, I think the Jets could absolutely win with Derek Carr and protect him because he's a he's a quarterback that get, has a very quick release. If you look at his release, he's got one of the quickest releases in the NFL. He doesn't have Tom Brady release type or or, or Joe Burrow release, but or uh, Patrick Mahomes release when he wants to throw the ball and doesn't want to run outside of the pocket and make plays happen or throw with his left hand, which I think he's out of his mind when he tries to do that, but um he doesn't I, I don't know if he's that, but he is a quality quarterback and you put him with those wide receivers, those weapons, and those running backs that the Jets have, yeah, the, the Jets could be elite offensively. They could. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst Carl Reed here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy. PD. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows from our Jets show to our Buffalo Bills show to our betting show to our show, the Sports Loudmouths. We are live throughout the week. Check out all our shows. We've been around for nine years, one of the first digital platforms around the country. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest. But before, Speedy, have you ever eaten like candy, all different kinds of candies? And uh, you burp, and, and it has that like that tangy taste. Have you ever have you, tangy taste? Yeah, it's like a like a tangy. It doesn't taste. It doesn't smell like the candy that you ate, but it has like that. Oh, okay. You I know never what I'm talking about? Tangy, yeah, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's with the food that I ate earlier. But yeah, man, I would oh, say man. that's more likely. I, I mean, I, maybe before you know, before the show, I should use some mouthwash. But uh, York peppermint patties, ladies and gentlemen, this is a free advertisement for them. Maybe we'll uh, have our special guests advertise them as well. But we are now talking to 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, college football analyst, Carl Reed. Carl, what's up, man? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing, man? Oh, uh, man. I, as, you, as you saw, I'm eating my candy Yorks. Uh, they're delicious. Um, and uh, just enjoying life. Uh, how was your Christmas, you and your family? 
Christmas was really good, man. My kids got a lot of the stuff they wanted. They they better be satisfied with it. I can tell you that. Uh, I think Santa Claus was really good to them this year, man. I hope everything went well for you guys. Was Thank Santa you. was Santa good for you? Santa's never good for daddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Santa's never good for daddy. He's only good for the kids. You know well, yeah, you, th- that's why you need to uh, ask Mrs. Claus uh, to give you a nice little present besides Santa Claus. You know, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Claus is a hard is a hard bargain, man. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can get a lump of coal in there. You know, this big, man. <laughs> Well, you better hope it's candy. I, I could send you some candy yorks if you want. Hey, I'm I'm down with it. Send it, man. We'll do a, a Instagram story commercial for those guys. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Me and you will be the new spokesman for Candy York Candies. There you go. Let's do it. Maybe send, we'll... send the contract. There, there you go. <laughs> you, you pay us. I mean, I think us doing a crazy skit, uh, you know, from one side to another. Uh, where are you at, by the way? Where are you located? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, yes. I, I actually like St. Louis. It's great food, great barbecue food over there. Love it. Great barbecue, uh, the best Chinese food in the country. We have better Chinese food here mm. than China does. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Listen, by the, by the way, we are talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst Carl Reed. Before we get into football conversation, because I know you have a a lot to say about these two playoff games, uh, two really big games coming up and uh, from Georgia and Ohio State, and then obviously uh, Michigan and uh, TCU, which is a surprise, I believe, all season long, and and as as well as they should be where they are today. Um, Were you surprised all season long the way everything fell the way it did? Well... Yeah, definitely. Alabama really struggled this year. And I know at the beginning of the season, a lot of people had them number one. Um, Definitely most people had them in the top two. And to lose the way they did to Tennessee, I think, was probably the biggest loss. And they never seemed to really recover. Then the, the loss to LSU down the stretch was a rough deal. So I don't think anybody was really expecting that. Uh, Clemson was in a great position. And then they blew a couple there at the end. TCU the surprise of the season. Mm. And then I was most surprised that even though TCU ended up losing in the Big 12 championship, that they still got in. I thought that they were going to find a way to knock those guys out because that's typically what happens in a situation like that. But then USC ended up losing to Utah, so that kept TCU in the thick of it. So it was a crazy season. Um, You got a lot of parity, and the transfer portal does that. The thing, one of the things that the transfer portal has done is it's made some of those elite teams lose their depth. You know, guys like Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, they just normally have an assembly line of talent and they can just replace player after player after player. Well, those players aren't sticking around anymore to sit on the bench and wait. Those players are leaving and going to other schools, you know, where they can be starters at. So I think that we got to see a lot of that this year in the college football season. And so we have some great surprises and we might've had some of the parody that people are looking for. Mm-hmm. 
So my, uh, my question is about the actual matchups themselves. Do you see it being like another one of those years where you could see the four seeds upsetting the ones? Because it actually happened a good amount in this college football playoff era. Or do you think teams like Georgia are just that good where you can see a team like Ohio State, even with the talent, beating them? I think Georgia is the clear favorite. Georgia is the clear favorite in this in this playoff. Um, obviously coming off a national championship last year, but they've remained dominant on defense. And they have a quarterback that is not as great as, as some people would like, but he's not going to lose the game for him. And I think that Brock Bowers is the best mm-hmm. player in college football at tight end. Mm-hmm. So I, you're going to have to really beat Georgia. And, and I think that they have the guys defensively, you know, they can, they can just guard people and they can load up against the run with everybody else. I, I don't see anybody beating Georgia. As everybody knows, we are talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports College football analyst Carl Reed. We 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 go through what Georgia has been over the last two years and Ohio State's. Obviously, uh, Justin Fields, uh, top draft pick. Uh, obviously, uh, Chicago moving up with the Giants and, and drafting him at a number 11. And now uh, a guy like Stroud, who everybody believes could be the number one pick this year. What is the differences between Stroud and Justin Fields and what you have seen over the last couple of years? Well, number one, Stroud is a little bigger guy, um, a, a little a little stronger. I think he might be a, a, a step ahead as a pocket passer. Fields is more of a dynamic athlete. But I think that Ryan Day has done a good job at the quarterback position, a, a tailoring the offense around what those guys do really well. It can be um, – a lot of times we'll compare guys that played at the same school, but they don't have as much in common as people think that they do, you know, from a skill standpoint and the way that they play position. I think that uh, obviously CJ will be one of the top two quarterbacks. Bryce Young is also heavily going to be in that conversation as, as opposed to who goes number one and that'll go down the order of picks and draft preference and whatnot. Um, but I do think that CJ Stroud is going to be in the position to have a really good NFL career. So Caleb Williams obviously winning the Heisman and also the four Heisman finalists, Stetson Bennett, like you mentioned before, kind of a surprise in that. Is there somebody that you thought would have been happening to get that instead, or do you think he deserved this fourth spot, and do you think Caleb Williams deserved to win it? Well, I think down the stretch, you know, a lot of the guys who were favorites, they they lost, man, and it was, you know, it was tough. Blake Corm is a guy that if he doesn't get hurt at the end of the season is probably in that discussion with an opportunity to win it, but then injury takes him out. Later on in the year, his injury almost cost Michigan losing to Illinois, and that would have set another domino of haywires. That game came down to a couple of plays. So I think that the finalists, you could have made an argument for Stetson Bennett because Georgia has had the best team and he's the quarterback of the best team. But at the same time, he's not the best player on Georgia. You know, so that makes it tough. I think that Caleb Williams did rise to the top of a, of a Heisman group that is not um, as elite as some might have thought that it would have been. Uh, we are talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst Carl Reed. You look at Michigan, Michigan's had a sensational year. Their defense was sensational. Uh, they had one of the best running backs in the country in Blake Corum. Uh, obviously getting hurt at the end of the season. He's out for the rest of the season. I believe that could affect them moving forward if they had any chance of beating Georgia or Ohio State or any of these uh 
other teams. I think they're better than TCU. I think going into this game, they're definitely heavily favored uh, to come out of that game. And we could see Georgia and Michigan again in the national championship. That quite possibly could happen. But losing a guy of that magnitude, a running back, that dynamic, who I think is a, he is definitely going to be a top draft pick in this year's class. Where do you see this Michigan team from last year's? Obviously, they had um, Hutchinson and, and, and the dynamic defense that they had. And now this year, a lot of people forget that uh, as good as the defense was last year, they were ranked higher this year defensively. I think the big thing for Michigan is their offensive line is so good that it doesn't matter who the running back is going to be. You know, they they replaced Corn pretty easily, mm-hmm. and you saw what they did to Ohio State, the way they dismantled them. Uh, what they're doing right now offensively from a standpoint of the way they're running the ball, you can t- anybody who wants to uh, education on running the ball should be watching Michigan in its clinic film. The things are they did lose some key guys on the defense but some guys have stepped up. Georgia obviously overwhelmed them a year ago, but Georgia did lose 15 starters to the NFL last year, and they still got a bunch of great guys. But there are differences between these two teams from last year. So I think that – I don't think that Georgia's going to beat them 42-3 to or whatever the score ended up being a year ago, but I do still give Georgia the edge, and I I think that both Georgia and Michigan win their semifinal games and you're going to be in for a really, really physical national championship game. So it's interesting with the four teams that made it, the two different types of coaching identities. We said Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart, very defensive-oriented, running the ball. And then the other way around, Sonny Dykes, a spread offense type guy. He's done a nice job at TCU. And Ryan Day, a lot of people thought he was going to be an NFL coach in the future before this year, where a lot of people have criticized him. So do you see that? What coaching style do you think has an advantage in college football as a whole, even with more quarterback-centric league? The rules to football never change. Run the ball, play great defense, and don't lose the game on special teams. And that's going to always give you the best chance to win championship-level football. And history is going to continue to show you that the guys who can do those three things well are the guys that are going to consistently win national championships. Even when you have great quarterback performances, look at the elite defenses and running backs that those guys were paired with. And that always makes the difference in championship football. We are talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst Carl Reed. Carl, uh, watching Caleb Williams this year at USC was sensational. And a lot of people were speaking very highly of Trevor Lawrence. And I, I think Trevor Lawrence is developing. We'll see what he turns out to be. People are comparing him to Peyton Manning and Andrew Locke and all these elite quarterbacks. And so far, we haven't seen that. But there's something about this kid, Caleb Williams, that I believe this could be one of the better quarterbacks we've seen come out of the draft in a very, very long time. And next year, I I believe he is absolutely the number one pick, no matter what happens, hurt or not hurt. This guy is as good a quarterback that we have seen in about 10, 15 years. Better than Trevor Lawrence, better than uh, Watson, or better than Patrick Mahomes. I think this kid could do everything. And he put his team on his shoulders. And you saw his, his heart when he lost that game. 
and he, and he had a chance to go to that playoff. You saw that he wore he was limping on the field. He played his heart out. He cried after the game. You saw his face. He he really wanted it bad. And I love that about him. I love his competitiveness. What were your yeah. thoughts of Caleb, Caleb Williams this year? Caleb Williams is a great player now, but I, I think you got to slow down a little bit. Mm. You can't say he put him on his back because he didn't win. Mm. You know, he didn't win the conference, and he's not in the college football playoffs, mm. so we can't say he put him on his back. Trevor Lawrence won a national championship as a true freshman and, and completely outclassed everybody. I think comparisons are dangerous. When you start talking about guys like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and all of those guys' circumstances, are completely different. I think Caleb Williams is a special talent. You never know who's going to go number one in the draft because it always is going to come down to who gets the pick. Is there a generational defensive player available in the draft? Is there a, a, a franchise offensive tackle? Some of those things matter also. I think Caleb is special. But I'll tell you what, every quarterback that has played for Lincoln Riley has been special. Kyler Murray was special. Baker Mayfield was special. Jalen Hurts was special, right? And now you got Caleb Williams. The only one who's played really good football in the league so far has been Jalen Hurts, mm. right? So I think that you got to be careful before you crown a guy so young and say he's going to be the best quarterback we've seen in a long time. I think that he's trending to be very good. Uh, he obviously won the Heisman, which is Lincoln Riley's third Heisman guy. But I think that what Lincoln Riley does in the way he develops quarterbacks and the position he puts them in also is a large part for those guys' success. And we haven't seen all of those guys transition well yet into the National Football League. So I think we have to slow down some a little bit on what some of the expectations Hold on, a little bit. I, I, I watched that game. I watched that game, and USC's defense absolutely blew it in that game. And he still took the, the team down the field over and over and over again. I mean, he can't play defense. He really can't. And if the defense isn't going to show up game in a game out, and USC, by the way, as good as they were offensively, they were horrible. Where were they ranked off defensively all season long? What were they ranked, 20th, 19th in all nation? That's not good enough, and you're not going to win like that. Georgia, Ohio State, even Ohio State this year, they weren't elite. Like they've were, they were over the years, but they were still amongst the best defenses in the league and in, in, in the country. I'm sorry. And then Michigan, top ten. I mean, even TCU this year, I think they were ranked 11th to 12th defensively all season long. So you have to look at that. USC, they were not a good defensive team, and I didn't expect them to. I expected them to win that game. I did. I expected them to win that game, but I, I can't blame Caleb Williams, and I can't say that he's not. What we what we've seen now, you are right. You are hundred percent right. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, Jalen Hurts, all these guys we thought were special, and you were right. The only one that's really produced Jalen Hurts, and a lot of people were throwing him to the Wolves before the season started. Oh, we got two first round draft picks. We're not going to bring him back next year. Well, they're going to shut up now because he should have won. To me, he's the MVP of the league. But Baker Mayfield wasn't a bad quarterback. He really wasn't. And Kyler Murray, everybody was, including yours truly, thought he was one of the elite quarterbacks in the league until this year. So I, I still think Kyler Murray's a good quarterback. I really you thought do. Kyler Murray was one of the elite quarterbacks. In I, the I thought he was a top ten quarterback. Yes. Hey, I thought he was. Say that in your group chat, not on ah! your phone. People gonna think you got some stuff inside. I like I, I like Kyler Murray. I did. Uh, 
I liked Kyler Murray. I did. So listen, though. Here's the thing. There's getting it done and there's not getting it done. Mm. You didn't if get it done the, in the playoffs last year. You just you compared them to Peyton Manning. Yeah. You compared them to Trevor Lawrence. So if you're gonna if you're gonna be in that category, those guys get judged by winning games. Mm-hmm. That's it. That that's it. That's all. You know, I think he's special. How he many won the highest? I watched every single game he played at Oklahoma as a freshman. I watched every throw mm-hmm. that he made that season. Mm-hmm. One of my former players played at Oklahoma and, and I and I was really tuned into those guys. But when you start making the comparisons you made, I think that we have to, to temper ourselves. I can't way. wait until this kid makes it to the NFL and then if he produces and he shuts everybody up, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to Carl Reed and I'm gonna I'm, tell you I'm gonna come back on. Call, yeah, you're gonna on. come back on anyways before that, buddy. <laughs> you're gonna come on before that. I'm not sitting here, man. I'm sad. I'll tell you what right now. I like I like your personality. I like that you stick to your dukes. That's something that I respect. And and you know you're a coach. You see the game completely different than I do. So uh, I respect that. We are talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst Carl Reed. So I want to move on to the uh, the coaching carousel that's been going on this offseason or this uh, right after the regular season ended. Matt Rule with Nebraska, Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, and uh, very controversial with Auburn with Hugh Freeze. So what do you have you thought of in some of the, some of the coaching hires? And is there any that stand out to you most? Well, number one, Matt Rule is is a really good football coach. He built a great program at Baylor. He was ahead of the curve on some of the ways he evaluated and trained guys. Um, we didn't have a transfer portal era last time he was in college. He's a huge developmental guy. We're going to get to see if he can do that when guys coming and going the way kids go now in the portal. In terms of Hugh Freeze being a controversial hire, I mean, I wasn't surprised they hired Hugh Freeze because he's shown you can win in the SEC. And whether people like to hear this or not, in the SEC, it just means more to those people. They want to win at all costs. Um, that they're, they're not into anything other than winning, right? So, and Hugh Freeze has proven he can win. He went in and he did beat Nick Saban in back-to-back years during the heyday of the Alabama run, and that's going to always mean something to people. Great offensive coach, one of the legendary recruiters in college football. It was not a surprise to me that they hired Hugh Freeze, I think he's going to find some success. Now, here's the thing about Auburn, and they don't like hearing about this. Auburn has only had back-to-back 10 win seasons one time in 80 years, Mm. right? So they think that they're Alabama, but really they're Iowa, right? (laughs) And so when you get into whether or not Hugh Freeze um, was a great hire. I think he's a really good hire, and I think that Hugh Freeze has the chops to take them to that next level. But, man, their expectations are really high for a program that hasn't really consistently produced major, major results. It's so interesting when we, we, we look at the coach carousel and all these coaches, and I love Deion Sanders as a player. I respect him. I think, obviously, we knew that he was eventually going to jump ship from Jackson State, and he was going to go to a program where he can obviously recruit players and 
obviously get the players that he wants. Uh, he did very well on recruiting players in Jackson State. He brought, I, I think, one of the top wide receivers in the country. Yeah, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, he brought his son, who's a pretty decent quarterback, and then uh, a, a pretty high-ranked cornerback, too, uh, uh, that wanted to play for him. And now he's heading over there to uh, a place that uh, a lot of people believe in Colorado, where he he's going to get more people that are going to want to come over there and transfer portal. I think he, they said 200, 200 players were interested in transferring to him. Do you think that he was wrong for jumping ship from Jack, uh, j- jumping ship from Jackson Jackson State uh, to Colorado, or do you think? That he should have stayed in Jackson State and do, and done what he said he was going to do in Jackson State. I think he did do what he said he was going to do mm-hmm. at Jackson State. And I, I think that in this business, when opportunities open up, let me give you let me give you some information. First off, if you look at college football, what is the next step? What's mm-hmm. the if you dominate at the FCS level, what's the next step? Jim Trestle was at Youngstown State, an FCS school. He left and went to Ohio State. Should he have not left Youngstown State so he can continue to help the kids in that area? What about North Dakota State, which has been the most dominant FCS program the last decade? They've won like nine out of the last 11 national championships. They've had three different coaches during that run. Craig Bowl, who started the run, the first three, he left and went to Wyoming. Right. Okay. Chris Kleiman took over for him and won the next four. And he left and went to uh, Kansas State, right? Well, why are we not being critical of those other guys? Dave Clawson at Wake Forest started off as an FCS coach at Richmond. Dino Babers was at Eastern Illinois. But we vilified Dion for making the same move that many coaches have made. You go, it's, a, it's not about HBCU versus predominantly white institutions it's fcs football versus power five football and with and power five is the pinnacle and like the great vince lombardi said the most competitive games draw the most competitive men and if you're Deion sanders you want to test yourself against the very best football that college has to offer, and he did that with his move to Colorado and going to the Pac-12. I, I support everything that he's done anyway, so I'm not taking shots at him. I, I think he's right. I, I I know all about the story behind why he went to Jackson State, and, and he already came out and said he never wants to coach in the NFL. He has no interest to in coaching in the NFL. He just wants to uh, help kids grow as players and be a leader and a teacher that way. So I respect Everything about Deion Sanders in his thought of jumping and, and going to Colorado. So I see on your wall in the background, you got a lot of pictures with a lot of different coaches and college football. And figures. no pictures of me and you, man. I'm I'm very upset. <laughs> I am very upset. Don't worry, don't worry. When you get your when you get your candy company contract, there started, you go. Maybe there'll be one. Yeah, we'll have our York pads and everything. <laughs> we'll be ready to go, man. So my question is: With that, any of the uh, experiences that were most notable to you with any of those coaches? Um, I, I've had I have pretty good relationships with all of them. I would say that you learn something from every coach, whether it's culture, whether it's system, whether it's how to handle your players the right way. But I but I would think that um probably the most profound conversation I probably ever had was with Nick Saban when he just explained to me the, he understands that the players make it go. We have a lot of coaches in the game that think that they're geniuses right? 
or that they think they're mad scientists and they can fix things by drawing up, you know, the right plays or, or calling the right thing. Nick Saban, I think, found success because he understands better than anybody. It's about the players and the way he treats his players, the way he evaluates, the way that he positions them to be successful, I think has been second to none. It's very interesting, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you more, and maybe we will get our endorsements for Candy York. I mean, we look like uh, pretty good-looking guys. I mean, uh, we can help, uh, you know, grow a candy for what it is today, which is one of the more popular candies. But, Carl, we really appreciate you joining us, as always. I know you're a busy guy, uh, but uh, we'd love to get you on again, and a lot sooner than Caleb Williams getting drafted and becoming a star quarterback in the NFL. So. Hey, just give, just reach out to me, man, anytime. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you Carl. As everybody knows, we were just talking to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports college football analyst Carl Reed. And by the way, soon to be an endorser to Candy York Candies. So there you go. Uh, great guy, by the way. Good hit, Speedy. Uh, and he knows his stuff. And I love his you know back and forth banter. It, it's great. It, it's what makes great radio. So... Uh, uh, definitely an interesting fella and, oh, and yeah. a guy that knows his stuff. And he really does. Uh, from a coaching perspective, too. Really, really good. Absolutely. Coach Carl Reed. By the way, uh, we didn't mention this when he was on, but uh, he also was a, uh, a high school football champion in uh, in St. Louis in 2019 as well. Good for him. For uh, Lutheran North. So uh, yeah, just uh, all the fans know, congratulations to him, uh, Carl Carl Reed, national champion, high school football head coach as well. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. And a great uh, knowledge when it comes to college football. So uh, he definitely threw me a couple of curveballs. But, yes, he uh, did. He did, but I disagree with him. I think Caleb Williams is the real deal. I, and Jalen Hurts, his transition. And I, there was just something about that kid. I mean, I understand he didn't win that game. But the way he kept his team into that game, and, and at the end of the game, that defense was not playing well. USC's defense is horrible. And he was playing on one leg. And he, he practically put his team on his shoulders and almost won that game. He really did. So um, I kind of disagree with him on that. But, and, and, yes, Trevor Lawrence is a national champion. Trevor Lawrence also played for one of the elite teams in in college football history. Well, U- USC's defense wasn't supposed to be that good this year. They were most of their transfer portal guys came from the offense, so the defense just really had to be a turnover defense and bend don't break in a lot of the games, depending on which game. They, it was. And they, what were they ranked? Twentieth or nineteenth? Well, the, 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 in the whole country, they were a lot lower than that. They were somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of points, and they were. No, I'm talking about defense. Below yeah. average. Yeah, they were below average in terms of they power were horrible. football in yardage. Yeah, they were horrible. But they were just good. They were just good. Offensively, they were obviously Lincoln Riley. He's, of he's course. a great offensive Yeah, mind. they were number one in a lot of offensive statistics. But I, to say that Baker Mayfield hasn't been successful, if the Browns didn't throw him to the curb because the Brown fans just got restless with him, I mean, he was one play away from taking the Cleveland Browns to an AFC championship. So to say that he has failed, I disagree. I don't think he's failed, and now he's he could start for the L.A. Rams next year or somebody else. Some uh, there, are, he is still a good quarterback. Is he an elite quarterback? No. no, but you can win with him. You can win with Baker Mayfield. So if you could protect him and give him the pieces that throw to. Yeah, that's so, why a lot of people wanted Lincoln Riley as an NFL coach for a while. So. And I think Lincoln Riley will eventually be in the NFL. I, I think eventually. 
Uh, not right now. I, I would say he has to win a national championship before he does that. Yeah. But as soon as he wins a national championship, don't be surprised if Lincoln Riley's coaching the Cowboys or somebody like that or the, the Houston Texans or somebody like that. Because that's where I think he wants to go. He's from that area, yeah. and I could see him going down south and trying to win a championship uh, with one of those NFL teams. We'll see. Uh, I don't think it's anytime soon. No. But, uh, His contract's very good with USC. He's USC can win out. a national championship with Caleb Williams next year, and I think they could. I They were they were inches away from being in those final four teams. And, and with a quarterback that good and an offense that good, anything could happen. So I uh, – and I, how many how many quarterbacks have won Heisman trophies back to back years? If Caleb Williams stays healthy again next year, he's winning back to back champion uh, trophies. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it. The other thing that'll be interesting to note with USC is they're going to have Jordan Addison, their top receiver, going into the draft. Yeah, will will they be? Will we look at Riley be able to accumulate more transfers to help that? A hundred percent. You're talking about one of the more prolific offensive minds we've seen in a very long time, and yeah, I I do believe that. Um, there'll be a, a wide receiver that wants to transfer to him. Uh, why not play with Caleb Williams? Arguably the number one pick next year. And to say, uh, uh, for anybody to think that he's not the number one pick next year, I don't know what you're watching. Because uh, he is absolutely, I don't care how good some of these defensive players turn out to be next year. He is, go- if he's healthy, he is the number one pick. It's not even an argument. It's then, usually a quarterback. But the other dilemma is, again, at the same time, do you trust Lincoln Riley's scheme enough to be able to say, all right, maybe we're going to focus on transfer portals and recruits on defense and then trust the offensive scheme in itself, too? And He w- could do that. Which he could do that. Yeah. Now, again, that might stop him individually from winning a Heisman. But, again, at the same time, the Pac-12's defenses haven't been the same since they were probably two, three years ago mm-hmm. either. So there's still a window for that kind of thing to happen. They're going to get a, they're, both their running backs back this year. Travis Dye, who had a bad injury right at the end of the season, too, was their starter was very good. And even some of the guys that replaced him towards the, the end of that season were, was good, too. Now, on the defensive side, they're still going to have to be able to get those transfers, though, too. And, and a lot of transfer transfers are not going to want to play for him because he's not a defensive mind. That's the other problem, too. Now, the other thing they have to watch out for, too, is when they do end up Expanding to the Big Ten in two years too. Will they be able to keep up with those defenses? A lot but of that's not what I'm saying. It's not, not for even, Caleb Williams. Yeah, for Caleb Williams is is going to go into the draft next year, and he might win a Heisman Trophy back to back years. As quali- to me, he's in my eyes, and I again, I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's talented. But even against the Jets, there was nothing that really stood out to me to say he is the quarterback that everybody said he was going to be. Okay. Uh, Justin Herbert, he surprises me. Joe Burrow, we we see how good Joe Burrow is. I, a lot of people didn't think Joe Burrow was going to be as good as he was for LSU. As a matter of fact, he was he was a a third string quarterback in Ohio State. Yeah, he had the biggest come of out of nowhere season. I, I mean, look State. what he look what he's turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that could go to a a, a Super Bowl again back to back years. Uh-huh. So to sit here and say that that's not possible, hey, he just beat Kansas City, one of the better teams in the NFL, and he and he did it. I think it was in Kansas City, if I'm not it was mistaken. At, this year was last year was at Kansas City. Yep. So I I, I do believe Joe Burrow could could take this team to a, a championship and and win one uh, this year. It's not the coach. It's it's the quarterback play. It's the yeah. defense. The way they played this year. So again, I don't know. What Williams is going to be next year, but if he's 100% healthy, 
he is probably going to win back-to-back Heisman trophies. And how many quarterbacks have done that? The last one was Tim Tebow. Yeah. And he's way better than Tim Tebow. Arm talent-wise, absolutely. Arm talent-wise, all-around talent-wise. I mean, honestly. And he and he can win a national championship next year. He can. Alabama will be a little bit better next year. Absolutely. Clemson's going to be a lot better next year. Georgia will be good again next year, like they always are, because of the transfer portal and, obviously, uh, recruitment. The, USC has the best quarterback in the nation next year. And and I'm sorry, as as good as Bryce Young, everybody thought was going to be this year, I he is proven to be subpar at best. And Alabama quarterbacks don't succeed in the NFL. We've seen it. USC quarterbacks not truly have succeeded, but he's also from Oklahoma, and Oklahoma quarterbacks have succeeded in the NFL. Well, any t- any school that's that big is going to have a, a track record that's going to be mostly bad for the NFL. So, yes, you could say, that, all right, the US, USC quarterback curse, nobody's that good when they go over to USC because of bigger busts like Matt Liner and yep. guys like that. But you also Who still, won back-to-back Heisman trophies, I think. But, but you also still have your Carson Palmers that had some success in the NFL. But I never so. thought Matt Liner was going to be good. I loved Matt Liner. I did. When he won those national championships with USC, I loved Matt Leinart. But there was something about him. He always wanted to be center of attention. He was dating Paris Hilton when he was drafted. I think he just wanted to be center stage. He didn't want to learn the game. And that has a lot to do with, I'll go back to Zach Wilson. That's what worried me about Zach Wilson. He was a pretty boy with a smile, with a beautiful girlfriend. And, and that's all he cared about. He wanted to to be center stage here in New York. Did it work? No, because he had to understand that being in New York is much more than just playing, you know, looking great. You have to play football and you got to play the game right. And he didn't. And that's why he hasn't succeeded. The same thing with this guy. Caleb Williams is not a pretty boy. He's not. He's not an ugly guy, but he's not a pretty boy. And there's something about him that just tells me that he'll play hurt. He'll he'll go out there and put up you know, the numbers and put up a shut up. And he played on one leg in that game. People forget that. Now, I'm not taking shots at what Carl Reed said. He's like, hold down, slow down, and all that other stuff. What has Trevor Lawrence done in the two years he's been in the NFL? What has he done? Got ruined by Urban Meyer, and then this year has been good in the second half. But again, it was a little average the first he's half. Aver- he's an average quarterback so far in his first two years. Average. From back-to-back years. Now, if he does it in the third year and he shows up in the third year, he's going to have more weapons. He has a guy coming off uh, you know, suspension who could absolutely right. bring down the rain. They have weapons. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah, and again, that's what we were kind of saying with the other quarterbacks that have been drafted from those draft classes, too. As Carl was saying, too, some of it is the scheme because Lincoln Riley has been that good. And the Big 12, when Lincoln Riley was there, really did not have those caliber of defenses either. And the same kind of thing <laughs> with Liner at USC, too. So that's why I gave him very little excuses for him to in the NFL. USC at Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll likes to draft running backs. I, I mean, he recruited running backs. We can go up and down the USC dominance. Great running games, good offensive lines, and great defenses. Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded coach. A lot of those uh, you know, top-end players were really from the defensive side of the ball, sure. not the offensive side of the ball. So I understand what you're saying. I just I can't sell what, you know, what we've heard you know, from – Obviously, from some of these experts and saying, hold up, you know, put the brakes up on Carl, uh, put the brakes up on Williams that he can't be an elite court. I think he can, and I think he will. And I, I think he'll be more, I think he'll be like a Joe Burrow type of quarterback 
being that I think he can make every single throw, and he's he's better inside and out of the pocket too. So it'll be interesting. It it will. Uh, Tua suffers another concussion. Oof. I think when when you look at you know obviously what Tua has done the last couple of weeks, I, I think he needs time to sit. I do, and and I, we can go back and forth on. Obviously, what Tua has been this year, he was an MVP candidate the first six, seven games. Mm -hmm. Before that concussion, he's never been the same. He hasn't. He hasn't been the same. Now, this is an important game for for the Miami Dolphins. And to go into a game like this without your starting quarterback, with Thompson as your quarterback— you're practically ruining your season. You don't have a number you don't have a first round draft pick. You lost that because you were tampering. So that's not going to help you. So it doesn't matter where you're going to be drafting because you're not going to be getting a number 1 pick. So what is the point? Now obviously the concussion protocol, but does he really have a concussion protocol? Honestly, because he should have had a concussion protocol uh, a week before, he got knocked the hell out by the Bengals, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. That was a concussion protocol. I didn't see any big concussion protocol besides the game that he threw in that game. He he did not look good. He played th- throughout that game. Right. So now all of a sudden he has a concussion protocol going into an, a very important game. Now, if you lose against New England, you're practically out. Even if you beat the Jets, you're out. You're not making the playoffs. Well, the Patriots would have to lose to the Bills or beat the Bills too, though, in order to get in because they would have nine wins. They're not going. First of all, they cannot go into that game against New England without Tua. They cannot, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I think New England they're destined to win this game, and they're going into the Bills game. And by the way, the Bills might not play their starters. They might not. Now they're still fighting for that number one seat. And they could still win the number one seat, so they might. Likely, they are probably going to sit some of their starters. So, New England could go into that Buffalo Bills game an easy way into the playoffs. And who does the Bills want to meet in the playoffs? They want to meet New England? Or do they want to meet Miami? Honestly, I'd rather play New England than Miami. So, uh, the Bills could give them a free ride in. They really could. And Miami's giving the Patriots a free ride in as well, not playing Tua this week. Well, the the scenario would be for the Bills, if they are the number one seed, then they would the, – the Chiefs would play the, the that team, whoever that would be. Because for the Bills to get the number one seed, the, the Bengals – they'd have to beat the Bengals. So that would knock the Bengals out of any running for the number one seed if they were to win this week against the, against the Bengals. So then the Chiefs would play that team, the Patriots or the Dolphins, which then makes it interesting at that point. But then for the second round, you wonder, Miami's played them close in both meetings. Do they want to avoid that kind of thing? That is very interesting. Now, with Tua this week, it, it looks like he's not going to play. So Teddy Bridgewater's going to start. and They still can win with, with Teddy. I think they can, too. Now, the thing is with, with— I forgot that Teddy is healthy. With the Dolphins, the way they've schemed it, I think Mike McDaniel has done a better job— since the first concussion, alleged concussion, I know a lot of people are saying that the NFL investigated and they didn't do anything wrong in the conventional concussion protocol. But even so, the Bengals game was still kind of harmful the way they portrayed it. So Mike McDaniel, I think, since then has made good adjustments where they've been able to scheme him away from getting hurt as much. Now, 
the last couple of weeks, they haven't done that as much. Maybe a product of the 49ers game where he suffered all those hits over time. Because I don't think it was just one game. There wasn't one particular bad hit in the Packers game or any uh, anything in the Chargers game or anything like that that said, all right, this guy's going to get a concussion. So you wonder if they were covering up something like that again, accumulated over time, starting with the San Francisco game. And if that's the case, that goes on more of the ownership and the management, which is the same thing I said before when Tua had it first are they covering something up with the way they handled the concussion protocol? And that's going to be a big problem in terms of Tua's long-term health. And even Tua wanting to stay there, too. He came out and admitted that there were other shady stuff within that, too. So he might not want to play there with the Dolphins after this season if they keep this kind of thing up. I think they'll be fine in making the playoffs, but I was originally thinking they could be a sleeper to do well in the playoffs. I don't know about it anymore if Tua's going to be not healthy. Hey, he's... Honestly, I don't know where Miami is going to be. If they lose this week, which they could, they're probably not going to beat the Jets the week after. Honestly, because the Jets, if they could beat Seattle, they have a lot to play for going into week 18. Even though even that the, the Miami's still in it and they still could win and make the playoffs – you don't know what tour, what type of tour you're going to have in that game. Is he 100% healthy? Has he been 100% healthy since that he was knocked out in that in that particular game against the Bengals? I don't believe he was. I don't think he has been. And I don't know how good Tua is going to be moving forward in his career because of the concussion protocols that he's had over the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, I think he's had four concussions in two and a half years. And to, to me, in Alabama, he had that problem, too. And he also had a lower leg injury. Yes, Alabama he did. Too, so no, a hip problem. Either. It was hip. And then he, or he had a lower leg injury in one of the other years at Alabama, too. I think that was more minor. But, yeah, the hip problem was... Didn't right. he have a hip replacement? Hip, the hip problem was a big one out of the draft, though. You're right about that. I, I think he had a hip replacement as, a like, a 20-year-old. Yeah. I mean, for a quarterback that young, I usually quarterbacks don't get hip replacements at that age. Right. But, again... I don't know what Miami is yet, and 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 to be honest, everything that uh, everything that Hill has said over the last Tyreek Hill has said over the last couple of weeks is re- really telling on the faith that they have on their court with their quarterback right now. I don't know if Tyreek Hill believes that uh, Tua is the future quarterback of this organization. Over the, you remember in the beginning of the year, before the season started, he said he was one of the more accurate quarterbacks, that he, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Now all of a sudden, everything has fallen apart since that hit, and now he's lost faith in him. And everything that he said after the game, and, and he didn't really throw him under the bus, but he, he practically, when you're trying to bowl a strike, okay, you, you try to give hints, and you're trying to find the line the right line to throw that ball down so you can find this your, your sweet spot. I think Tyreek Hill the last couple of weeks is 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 pretty much found that line and he's throwing and he he found his sweet spot. Now he's just practically throwing two under the bus. And and Waddle's numbers have not been as good as it was in the first six or seven weeks, especially against Baltimore when he put up those numbers, those crazy numbers. Yeah, and he hasn't been the same. Maybe it's Tua. Maybe it's the offense. Maybe it's McDaniel's. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that horrible offensive line, which we've been saying uh, going into the season wasn't that good, but really produced better numbers and and better thoughts to what they were. You know, before we thought that they were go- going to be. As bad as they were. Well, they, I don't even think their offensive line played that bad against the Packers, though, either, though. So that's why I'm thinking there must have been something in that their game. Their right side uh, did. Maybe. But, again, even so, I th- I think as a whole, that's not on them. I, I think 
if they realized that Tua had a concussion and he, he didn't say anything or the ownership wanted to cover it up, I think there's, so, there's going to be something more to this because this happening twice in a year is very odd the way it is. Now, again, the NFL did clear them of the first one. They operated the protocols accordingly, whatever. But now happening a second time too, where that's why I'm thinking it accumulated more starting with the 49ers game because the 49ers game, he was hit a ton. And over time, his play got a lot worse. There's no reason for him to struggle as badly as he did against the Chargers, nope. but maybe he was playing through that, and we didn't know that. And, that, and that's the other thing with the – I don't know if that's coaching as much as it is with the ownership. I don't know what Tua is, okay? I really don't. And I don't know if he's Hawaiian Tebow like everybody calls him. I do know that he made the the Pro Bowl, and he won the fan, the fan votes over. Yep. He was the number one fan voting – player that was elected into the Pro Bowl. That just tells you how popular he is. Two years ago, his his jersey was the number one jersey sold by a by a huge margin. Yep. This year, I think it was in the top five. So he is loved. He's beloved by a lot of people, not just Miami fans. Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. Alabama fans. I I mean and, and and throughout the country, there are a lot of Tebow fans here in New York. So I think, and, and, and by the way, one of the one of the more popular jerseys sold here in New York throughout the season uh, from all the Jet players and all the Giant players to his jersey was sold just as high as all of them. So that it just tells you how you know how popular of a player he is. Mm-hmm. Now, does that sell to the the ownership? Does that sell to the uh, the organization that he is the guy? I don't know. But what I do know is that he is beloved, and they're not just going to be able to throw him to the wolves. He is, he is not as good as Justin Herbert. As a matter of fact, when they played this year, Justin Herbert absolutely outplayed him in every category. And we understand that, uh, obviously, the Chargers are more talented offensively. They've been fighting injury all year. They lost their number one offensive lineman. They 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 didn't have their two star wide receivers really for half the season. But Justin Herbert still has brought his team to the playoffs. As a matter of fact, they clinched this week. So that tells you what Justin Herbert is. You can win with Justin Herbert. And I do believe Justin Herbert is going to be an elite quarterback in this league for a very, very long time. I. Uh, I, I didn't think he was going to be this good. I remember when everybody was talking about suck for the gut, uh, the suck for the duck. And then we remember when the, the, the Giants wanted to draft him and they decided he decided to go back and play one more year over there for Oregon. And, and he went into the draft and Tua was drafted in front of him. I think uh, Burrow. Ky- a, a Burrow was drafted in front of him. And all three of those quarterbacks have turned out to be pretty good. Now, I don't know what Tua is, but Burrow is a f- sensational quarterback. And Justin, I could see Burrow and and Justin Herbert in the AFC for many, many years to come, fighting for that you know that AFC championship with you know Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So th- those are the quarterbacks that really stand out. So it's crazy. It is crazy, and and there are more elite qu- young quarterbacks in the AFC, but. I just think the AFC did not really produce or show up this year like everybody thought they were going to be. Well, 
uh, Snuggles, Snug says uh, the Chargers have better receivers yes. than Hill and Waddle. No, no, no. I don't, not, I don't the, think so. Not the duo of those two, but they still have good receivers, though. Mike Williams is a talented receiver. Hold on one receiver. second. You think Mike Williams and uh, what's his name again? No, um, no, no, I don't. Kellen um, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen no, is, is better than Hill and Waddle? No. No. No, I don't. Mike Williams is talented. Maybe a couple I, of years ago. I like Mike Williams' talent a lot, but again, he's consistency is not very good. Keenan Allen is older now. He's a consistent receiver. Keenan Allen's a Hall of Famer. Year to year is Honestly, good. I, I would say Keenan Allen's a borderline Hall of Famer. He's probably borderline right now. He probably needs a couple more years to get in because I don't know if he's ever been like a top a top five receiver at any point. He was certain years top ten, but even he's so. Played against, he played with some of the best wide receivers in history. I mean, in his time, he's he was where, where Calvin Johnson was playing. Okay. Regardless, Snug, to answer your question, the Chargers do have better the depth receivers with Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, these guys that Justin Herbert made better, where the Chargers were not blown out in games. And right. I think that's where he's getting at with Herbert. 783 receptions, 9,123 yards, 11.7 a catch, uh, 50 touchdowns. So I would say he plays another two years. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, so. And, and gets another, you know, 2,000 yards. 11,000 yards. I mean, the only reason why, uh, what's his name again, play for the Jets? Um, uh, who's the... Uh, Brandon I Marshall. Play. Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, to me, is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you look at Brandon Marshall's numbers. I think he has over 80 touchdowns. Oh, yeah, Brandon so. Marshall is going to go to the Hall of Fame. The only reason why it would hold him out, his I think, is his drama. Yeah. And, and he had a lot of mental problems. But talent-wise... I mean, Brandon Marshall's an elite wide receiver. He really is. Now, is he Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, uh, you know, Jerry Rice? No. But his stats amongst the league's best, his career stats, are ridiculous. Yeah, he's probably a top 25 receiver of all time. Better than that. Yeah, again, with the quarterbacks he played with, yeah, you could even put him higher than that. And that's why I'm saying with with Keenan Allen, he probably needs a couple more years. Because he had had Phillip Rivers when he came in, who was a great quarterback, too. And then Justin Herbert, who's already been a great quarterback in this league, too. So, again, that's why I probably think he'll need a couple more years. But even so, the Chargers have played with those receivers throughout the year, and Justin Herbert still played well. Now, in terms of going back to Tua, in terms of that – conversation of whether the Dolphins are going to be able to make sure that they can develop properly. That's a whole other problem. Whether you think he's better than Burr or Herbert or not, you're, you have him now, so you have to make sure you do everything they can to protect him, and if the ownership keeps covering up, it's not going to look good. Brandon Marshall, 12,469 yards, 83 touchdowns. Okay. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, I think that you know somebody like Allen... Allen will need at least 2,000 more t- uh, yards. He'll be close to 12,000. Okay. Uh, I think he could do it. I, 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 Keenan Allen, I don't know how old Keenan Allen is. I think is. he's 31. He's 31. He could play another two or three years. He can absolutely. He gets like 70, 70 touchdowns. Yeah, he's all of it. If he could get to there, yeah. That, I think he is. I, I think he has 50 touchdowns. I think he in the next three or four years. So that way, that would be you need it if he has 51 right now. He wasn't he would, healthy this year, right? And he has. There's certain other years he hasn't been healthy too, which has hurt him. And that that's why I don't know if he's going to be able to get to that kind of level yet because he's been a steadily like good thousand yard receiver. But his touchdown numbers are very fluky year to mm. year, and that's going to be tough to be able to trust for a three year period to get to that maybe 75 touchdown threshold. If he can get there, yeah, he should get in the Hall of Fame. Well, I, I again, I don't know how healthy. He's going to be but if he if he stays healthy 
he should find his way into the Hall of Fame. He's played, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight years in the NFL. Uh, he needs. To, he was out the whole year, too. So. Yes, he needs to break, and and this year would be nine. Um, it, it would be nine. No, 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 no. Two thousand two. So it'll be eight years. He needs to break the ten year barrier. One, he needs to play ten years because okay. that's very important. I I think longevity means a lot to these voters, especially right. Um, Unless you're like the elite of the elite. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that if he breaks over eleven eleven thousand yards and gives you about. 65 to 70 touchdowns. Yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I, 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 how many wide receivers in the last nine years are better than him? Honestly, three, four. I I mean, when he's on, he's good. I I mean, honestly, I'm looking at his best years. I'm trying to find his best years. Um, Probably 2018, I would imagine. His rookie of the year year was year yeah. good too in 2013 I'm as well. To look at his, year. his first thousand yard season was in 2017, though, so that's why I'm thinking it might have to take him a little longer to get going. In 2017 was his best year. Okay, 1393, okay. and he had six touchdowns. And, and remember, uh, at, that was at the tail end of Philip Rivers' career. Mm-hmm. So know? and so it was 18, which is the year they yeah. made the playoffs. They were 12 and four, and he was the and best he had a great year too. Player on that team, yeah, and. That's why I think you might it still might have to take him those. What hurt him was 2016 years. because got of the hurt. injury. Got hurt. Yeah. The first game of the season. First game yeah. of the season. Yeah. And if, if he every year he's been consistent. Eight touchdowns his rookie season. Four, four. And remember, he only played eight games his third year because of injury. Right. Um, I'm looking over here. Six, 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 eight, six, two this year because he's missed a lot. I mean, that's consistent. Yeah. He is. He is. Consistent as any wide receiver we've seen over the in, in 2007, 1,300 yards. 2018, 1,100 yards, almost 1,200. 2019, 1,200 yards. 992 because he only played in 14 games. He would have broke 1,000. Uh, the last year, 1,138 yards, and he, and he played in 13, uh, no, 16 games. And now this year, 590, and he's played in eight games. I mean, he's had a pretty good year, only playing in eight games. I mean, I, he's not breaking a thousand yards because he missed a significant portion right. of the season, but he would have broken a thousand yards. But again, that's unfortunately what's going to hold. What could why you're, yes. you're probably going to need the extra hundred percent. Yes. I was thinking two years, maybe at the start of the year after this year, but now I probably would need the three with the injury and to be able to stay healthy because his 2017 through 2021 track record was very consistent with his catch total yes, and his yardage total, which is good. And if he could have those kinds of years again, even if he's not necessarily the number one because of Williams there and Eckler getting the targets, if he's still consistent enough, he's going to get that track record towards the Hall of Fame if he could probably do it for three more years. It's definitely interesting. And, and again, we will, you know, three years from now when he retires, or four years from now, or maybe even next year he decides to retire because of his injuries, we can argue Keenan Allen is Hall of Fame. Brandon Marshall a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, one way or another, it could take him, you know, seven, eight, nine ballots, but somebody right. is going to eventually induct him into the Hall of Fame because he, he was as good. If you look at Calvin Johnson's numbers, he was right there with him. I, I mean, Calvin Johnson played in, I think, 10 seasons. 2007 to 15. I think, yeah, so 10 seasons. Okay. I think Brandon Marshall played, I think, 11 seasons. Yeah, because he came into the league one year before Calvin Johnson did. Yeah, I think he played 11 seasons. Yeah, so Calvin Johnson played nine, yeah. So Calvin Johnson played nine, seven to 15, that's right. So Brandon Marshall played 11, yeah. And if you look at their numbers, they're very identical. 
it, it, it's and we're talking about Calvin Johnson. I, I Calvin Johnson's one of the elite wide receivers we've ever seen, and and probably would have broken every single record if he played uh, past thirty. Mm-hmm. He retired at twenty nine years old. Yep. So he, he only retired, and he retired because he didn't want head damage. But if you look at Brandon Marshall's numbers, honestly, Brandon Marshall had better numbers than Calvin Johnson. <laughs> that, there's no lie on that. Calvin Johnson had 11,619 yards, 83 touchdowns. Brandon Marshall had more yards and I think had the same amount of touchdowns. <laughs> and, and Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Now, the only thing that would hold Brandon Marshall back, back is is thing on and off the field. That's it. As far as I'm concerned, Brandon Marshall is a Hall of Famer. No question. Uh, Raiders bench Derek Carr for the remainder of the season. I, w- I was waiting for this to happen. It's a shame because I- I'm sure Devontae Adams is sitting back and saying, why did I go here? I- I- honestly, the Green Bay Packers offered him the same contract. They offered him the same contract as the Vegas Raiders offered him. He decided he wanted to go play with his friend. Now his friend's not even starting anymore. He's probably going to be gone at the end of the year. And he's there for what? How many years did he sign for? Well, he signed for five years five initially, years. but they only just re-extended him for this year, too. So he's, they're going to have to give him that player option that he or the op, whatever the option is for, for next year. Otherwise, he's a free agent. <laughs> and they will. They will because they're going to try to pry, uh, obviously, uh, Aaron Rodgers from... Uh, Green Bay. I, I could see it happening. You bring Aaron Rodgers there for one year, he gets to play with a better offense, you know, more offensive talent that he's ever had. I mean, go look at it. Renfro, the weapon that he becomes, Waller, Waller over there. And if 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 Aaron Rodgers goes there, Jacobs re, Jacobs resigns. I, I absolutely believe Jacobs resigns. Why? Because it's Aaron Rodgers. He gets to play with to me, arguably the besides Tom Brady. Uh, two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever played this game in the last 15 years. So you get to play with a talented player like that. Why would you leave? Unless he feels that he would be better off going somewhere else. Well, yeah, running back contracts are so tricky as it is because they don't make more than Derrick Henry's. There's just $16 million, and that's going to be very hard for somebody like Jacobs who's had an injury history as well inconsistent type season to season and even game to game too. this year has been fantastic, but other years he's had that issue where he gets a lot of his yards and bunches and stuff like that too. Are a team going to want to pay that? I are the Raiders. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers sneaks into the playoffs this year and takes this team all the way to the Super Bowl. I, I it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't it, 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 a year that nobody thinks and, anybody's thought after starting the way they did, losing against the Jets, losing against the Giants, somehow sneak into the playoffs. The only time Aaron Rodgers won was when they were a six seed in 2010, where they snuck into the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers practically put his team on the back. And then they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won because of Aaron Rodgers. Do I think they could do that this year? I don't think they have enough offense to do it, but if their defense keeps playing the way they have the last couple of weeks and the offensive line can stand up and they can run the ball, yeah. Watson's turning into a sensational player. I mean, why would anybody think that they couldn't? Well, the defense is going to have to still still be able to do well. They're playing well. 
Yeah. And, and and ever since Alexander has come back, they've played well. Well, yeah, he's. Uh, it was bound to happen that he was going to start playing like that lockdown corner he was again. Now the rest of their defense still has to be a lot more consistent than it has been, though. Too and the, the linebackers offen- have played better. The offensive line is the other concern too, because the that Packers offensive line that they had in 2010 when they won that Super Bowl was very good. Mm-hmm. It, the defense was talented. It was banged up throughout the year. That's why it didn't look as good on paper, and that's why the Packers ultimately ended up being the 60. But we knew that defense had a lot of talent between Charles Woodson being there. They had Al Harris, who was a good corner. They had they had Nick Barnett. They had, uh, A.J. Hawk. They had a lot of talent on that defense. Now, this defense was very young and kind of transitional all at once, but still was supposed to be good. Now, can they get back to that form is another question. I yep. remember before the season started, they were going to be a top five defense. Yeah, some people had that. Based so on, did you. Based on the, based on the talent expectations. A lot of people picked the them early in the draft because they thought the defense was going to be good. Yeah, and it, it was all dependent on how well they stopped the run because they overperformed enough last year against the run where it wasn't holding them back as, as badly as it has been in years past. And this year, they really didn't, except for drafting Devontae Wyatt with the, one of their two first-round picks, didn't do a lot to really help out their run defense, and hence it fell back down into the bottom of the league again. Mm-hmm. Now I think they're 26th. They played okay in recent weeks, fine, but still, it's a big issue when it comes to teams being able to game plan to be able to run the ball on the Green Bay Packers, and even with running quarterbacks, too. So that's going to be the other thing that they're going to have to factor in as well as the offensive line. Can they get healthy, especially with Bakhtiari too, who two years ago was the best tackle in football performance-wise. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been healthy even in that postseason too. Remember, they they squeaked by the Rams who weren't that good of a team in 2020 in that playoff I game. never thought Bakhtiari was going. He, he was that great. I know everybody rated him high you know, a couple of years ago. He was one of the better tackles. I, I never thought he was that good. He, he, he was I mean, the line, that whole side of the line was pretty good. Right. So to say that it was Jonathan Bhattiari, Bhattiari has had uh, good seasons. Now, was he an elite offensive tackle? Numbers would tell you that he was. But the eye test and what I saw him as, the Green Bay Packers, they could never protect Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers made that offensive line a lot better because he can move and slide out of that pocket as good as anybody. and, And he took away some of the deficiencies that offensive line had. So uh, the quarterback can make the offensive line look better. Unfortunately, there are quarterbacks, a.k.a. Zach Wilson, who didn't understand how to do that. And that maybe because of youth, maybe because he just can't figure it out. But Aaron Rodgers has figured it out. He really transformed the NFL for what it is now today. I mean, he was one of the first guys, the, the, the adaptable, ultimate, you know, non-pocket present quarterback in the NFL. He could be a pocket present quarterback, and as he gets older, if he wants to continue playing, he could stand in the pocket and still be dominant. But what he kind of changed the game as is you can you could be just as dominant inside the pocket as you can outside, and that's what makes Aaron Rodgers special. Watch the throws. Watch the throws he made on Sunday last week. Uh, he was fantastic. But again, the Packers also have that kind of thing where they're trusting certain players should do so much, and it and it hurts them. And the same kind of thing with the defense too, like we were just talking about. Like the Packers after their Super Bowl team, and even maybe after the year where they were fifteen and one, lost to the Giants. How many like bad talent defenses they had? They were just bailed out by Dom Capers because Dom Capers was that good of a defensive coordinator. Since that time, they really haven't had that kind of thing with their other coordinators that they've had. So can they find that again with the coaching and with Aaron Rodgers too at his age too? Can he do those like? Extra things. Age doesn't matter with him. You could see what he has done this year. Look who he's thrown to. Honestly, he has over 3,400. He has almost 3,400 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Who's he thrown to? 
That's fair. Who's he throwing to? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's not capable of Robert it. Robert Tunyon couldn't stay healthy. He stinks. Okay? He has Christian Watson, who he's made into a star. He has slowly but surely become... I wouldn't say he's the best wide receiver in that class because London and Garrett Wilson are special. But besides those guys, Garrett, I mean, Watson has been the third best wide receiver in that draft. Dotson hasn't really produced. Um, uh, Olave, I put top three, though, too. Oh, Olave's had a good yeah. I forgot about Olave. Yeah. yeah, he's had a good season. I forgot about him. Olave, too. So I, I would say Olave. I would say it's Garrett Wilson, Olave, London. Okay. And then Christian Watson. And then, yeah, because Watson and Dotson have been about the same trajectory wise because they both got hurt in the middle of the season. And then, they, then they, when they got going, they got hot again. But Watson, with all the touchdowns he has, gets the edge there. But Watson's yeah. better than Dotson. Yeah, I would say so too, right now. Now, you're looking at. But and probably one of the top three fastest wide receivers in the league. But again, it's also the identity with the Packers, though, too, when it comes to we haven't seen a lot of teams recently do well with just the one receiver and be able to make it work with everybody else coming together. Now, again, the, the Patriots have done that for a while where they had Gronk and then all those receivers that weren't that talented on paper, but Brady made it work. But yep. again, that was also Belichick. And Brady's special. All right. Brady. I'm, not, I'm not throwing him. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, but Brady wasn't special. Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, and he made everybody around him better because of his talent. But he also had weapons that he could throw to. It wasn't that he didn't know how to throw or he couldn't throw. I understand that he he didn't have the talent that some of these these quarterbacks had over the years. But Brady had some talent. He had he had arguably the greatest tight end to ever play the game. Right. He Edelman's one of the greatest. I mean, big playmakers we've seen in the playoffs we've ever seen. Okay, uh, Aaron Hernandez before he did that. Just oh, yeah. horrible thing. Aaron, Rodgers, Aaron Hernandez was one of the better tight ends in the league. I mean, he's, he threw to Randy Moss. But, again, he threw to nobody, and he's taking teams like the Patriots all the way to the Super Bowl and won Super Bowl. So, sure. um, but, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Drew Brees did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, who did he throw to all yeah. those years? Right. I, I, I mean, seriously, look at the numbers Drew Brees put up. Mm-hmm. Who did he throw to? Right. Colliston? Who played for Hofstra University? Seventh round pick. Yeah. Okay, I mean, he didn't. He didn't have it. And yes, he had Jimmy Graham for a little bit, and then Jimmy Graham was gone. And Jimmy okay? Graham got hurt a lot too. So yeah. I, I mean, he had Benjamin Watson, who was a pretty good tight end. And and, and by the way, Br- Br- Drew Brees. When we talk about quarterbacks that love their tight ends, he was one of them. He loved to throw to the tight ends. So did Tom Brady. And and if you look at two of the best rowing quarterbacks to ever live, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they'd love to use the tight ends just as much as they use the wide receivers and running backs. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, the game is transition. It's changed, and I think these quarterbacks are different. Patrick Mahomes, Watson, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert. It's become more of the athletic, bounded, you know, un you know, censored pocket quarterback, you know, present all around pocket present quarterback in the NFL. It's changed. Joe Burrow is more pocket present, but he can move. He's more elusive than he looks. You saw him in the Super Bowl. He was really, really elusive. You saw him throughout the playoffs last year. And even this year. Watch how elusive he was. So, looks are deceiving by his body type and his structure, the way he plays. But he is still a a quarterback that can move inside and out of the pocket. So the game has changed. It's not the same. Right. And I also, that's why I'm saying the identity still with the way the teams are built have also changed too, where it's, it's more of 
again, unless you're unless you were the Patriots, let you it's more of you need to build receiving depth in yep. order to win. It's not mm-hmm. as much you can get away with having one great receiver and a lot a big drop off of that. Look at look at the Bengals in 2011 or something like that with AJ Green, and then they had dropped off to like Sanu and those mm-hmm. guys. Like it was hard for them to win playoff games. I'm not saying it was the offense was the only reason, but it was hard for them to win playoff games. And the I think the Packers might be in that kind of situation situation right now, as good as Watson is, because is Alan Lazard going to be the next guy you're going to be able to trust? To be able to make those types of oh, plays. and he proved that he can't be a number one. Yeah, and I, I don't. Again, I don't even know. And I liked him out of the draft, but I don't even know if he could be a number two right now for a for a playoff team. And the other, the biggest, this is the biggest problem I have with in so far that we've seen in his coaching career, Matt Lafleur's playoff strategy. Please been don't horrible. don't let horrible. me don't let me get into the Lafleur family. Yeah, we I, have one right now as the offensive coordinator for my team that's an absolute bust. Everybody's like, oh, he's a genius. He's a genius. He's the next Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. He's been horrible. I know. And you look at I brought up 2020 as the example of that. Look at the Rams against the Packers. The Rams were not supposed to be that good of a team in 2020. They got in the strength of their defense. Hence, Brandon Staley got the coaching job with the Chargers. Their offense that year wasn't that good. Sean McVay outcoached Matt LaFleur in that game badly. The Packers just got a lot of big plays, and they ended up winning that game. But that game should have been much more of a blowout considering how banged up the Rams were and all that stuff. Look at 2019 with Seattle, too. Everyone's thinking Seattle's going to fall off that year. A lot of people love the Niners, the Rams right after the Super Bowl. And that game was cl- way closer than it should have been. And mm-hmm. Pete Carroll outcoached Matt LaFleur. And last year, the biggest example, 49ers in the snow, where they should have the advantage. Nope, they lost. And that's that's why everybody says anything, ha- anything can happen on any Sunday, any given Sunday. So that's the way football is played, and that's what we have seen over the last – couple of years. Now, uh, the Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett. We all knew this was going to happen. I was very surprised that they kept it to be what it is this long. They have to figure out how to fix Russell Wilson. Right. I, I mean, it's not... Now, I, I, I don't think Russell Wilson is this bad. I really don't. I think Russell Wilson's... You know, he was an elite quarterback for the, for the last... 2015 to 20. Yeah, I mean, the last six years he's been elite. Uh, he was an MVP candidate year in and year out. I can't believe that he is done or he is washed up. He's too good. Now, he did come off of that thumb injury. Maybe that's affected him this year. I don't know. But the play calling was horrible this year. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, I don't know what he brought in as his defensive coordinator, but shame on him. I, I mean, they traded away defensive pieces when they had one of the better defenses in the league. I I mean, a lot of the things that they did, and it has a lot to do with new ownership and uh, transitioning to a new owner and new owners is is definitely different. And and then giving Russell Wilson that kind of contract before you knew what you had, I, I just stupid. And, and and now you look at the Broncos; they they would be drafting at three. They could they could have been drafting one of those quarterbacks, the the CJ Strouds or or maybe uh, Bryce Young or guys that. Are just I, I I don't know as good as Russell Wilson, but less uh, less away you know, from the talent that they gave up. Yeah, I, I mean it just I, I don't. A lot of the stuff didn't make any sense with that trade. It could go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. I don't think Russell Wilson's that bad. No, they made the right decision at least to not drag it out, and they could have said, "All right, uh, wait for the second year of this game." No, it was that bad. There's no reason that offense should have been. Bottom five in almost everything. And that has a lot to do with Russell Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers. And that's what people don't understand. And I'm going to explain why 
he's not Aaron Rodgers. In a very quick understanding between both quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is 6'2", 6'3". Russell Wilson, if he's lucky, he's 5'10". Okay, that's one. Number two, Aaron Rodgers has one of the best arms in the NFL. Best arms in the NFL. And one of the more accurate quarterbacks in NFL history. Russell Wilson, as accurate as he's been in Seattle, and as strong as his arm is, he's not even in the top five. Okay? So that those two areas just tells you. Then you, you talk about uh, playing with nothing. Aaron Rodgers has played with guys you wouldn't even say would be third string wide receivers on any other team. You have Jerry Judy, who was a first-round draft pick. You had Sutton, who was a high-second-round uh, draft pick. All these guys that you drafted. Running backs. Now, you did lose Williams. It did affect their running game this year. Absolutely. Having him and getting him back in the offseason will absolutely help Russell Wilson. They need to find an offensive-minded coach that could help run this offense. Maybe, if you if you could, try to pry Pete Carroll away from Seattle and bring him over there uh, to the Broncos. Or do something. Something smarter than what you did bringing in Nathaniel Hackett. And don't bring any Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan disciples in. Don't bring their defensive coordinator in. Um, Demeco Ryans. Demeco Ryans. You don't need an, a defensive coordinator. I think Demeco Ryans is going to be a good coach in this league. I do too. I do. I think he's going to be a very good coach. Just like Robert Sala. I, I, I do. I think he will. But I don't think that's the right spot for him. Now, you wonder if they do do that kind of thing, they bring in a disciple of that type of offense. The question is, Russell Wilson, is he that type of offensive style is a different story, though. Now, that offense has been successful elsewhere, like we were talking about a couple weeks ago with Josh Morgan, where we've seen Mike Shanahan's coaching tree do well with McDaniel and O'Connell. I got an idea. What do you got? How about, and just, you know, hear me out on this. Got How about bringing in Dan Quinn? Okay. Who knows Russell Wilson? Yep. Um, he's a great defensive mind. Uh, he's going to be one of these high profile coaches that are going to be available. You bring him to the Broncos, and then you bring in one of the offensive coordinators that obviously coached Russell Wilson in Seattle. Ooh. All right. Yeah, it's interesting because Russell Wilson's had a lot of them in his career. Yeah, bring one of them in. Yeah, I guess he maybe he gets a pick of who his favorite one was. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea because 2019 was probably his best statistical season where, you're right, he was the near MVP candidate. If Lamar Jackson didn't have the season he has, he's probably MVP. And then 2015 was another big year where he really carried the Seahawks that year because their defense was banged up a lot of the year and Marshawn Lynch was hurt pretty much that whole season. So they didn't have a lot of a running game either. So that was the first year you could really say Russell Wilson really really carried the Seahawks where he was the best player and they need that kind of thing. So yeah, whichever coordinator that is, is definitely possible. We were sitting, we were talking about it with uh, our, our Broncos guy, Lance Sanderson. He was, that was the guy he said he wanted at the time, Dan Quinn, because of his coaching history with the Falcons, because of his connection with Russell Wilson in Seattle too. And he's always been a good players coach too. So I think <clears> the, 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 especially the defensive guys could gravitate to them where they didn't really gravitate to the new coaching staff. All right, here's the list. Brian Schottenheimer, Daryl Bevel, Okay. Jeremy Bates, Greg Knapp, Gil Haskell, okay. Mike Sherman, Bob Bertowski, Larry Keenan, John Becker, Steve Moore. I mean, I, I think Daryl Bevel would yeah. be the best. Where is he right now? Detroit. I thought he was something in Detroit. And yeah. Bring Daryl Bevel in. 
Yeah, I've, I, he's not the offensive coordinator. He was some kind of position coach with Detroit. Bring him in. Yeah, it, that's probably the most likely because that scheme could still be. Sean Eimer has been looking for a coaching job. No, forever. I know that. The question, yeah, that's the question though. Is he does he fit the modern game? I think you want someone that fits the modern. Maybe game you more. bring Brian Schottenheimer from Seattle right now. He's the offensive coordinator there, right? Is he is the offensive coordinator? Yeah, there? again, well, no, 2020, of, I think 2020. Okay, yeah, yeah but so he's again, not there anymore. Even so, like that was mostly a running team. That they were the leading rushing team in the NFL that year. Chris Carson was healthy. They all have year. Williams, so you bring Wilson. Yeah, you have Williams over there. Maybe you bring Brian Schottenheimer over there. So. Dan Quinn, bring in an offensive guy, offensive-minded coach that obviously Russell Wilson knows so we can help him um, you know, run his offense. Because he was as good of, of, of a quarterback in the league. I would, say, I would say he's a top five quarterback in the league before this all happened. Now he's on the bottom feet of the league. And it just doesn't make sense. You need to bring somebody in that understands the game better. I think Bevel, and Ben says it too, Bevel would be great. Mm-hmm. I think Bevel would be a perfect fit over there with the Broncos. You bring in, you know, uh, Dan Quinn. He knows Dan Quinn. He respects Dan Quinn. I, he, he's a young Pete Carroll. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And they need something where they could trust team culture and stability too because we've seen a lot of these rookie coaches try to bring something from their past and try to make it work in other places too and that's why a lot of the bill belichick disciples have not been as good yeah and why a lot this is the big one why i didn't like hackett in the offseason there is no packers there is no way in hell dan quinn doesn't get a coaching job at the end of this year yeah there is no way Mm -hmm. he should have taken one last year and he was being recruited by all of them so i I think the, the right one didn't fall together for him the broncos seem to be i think would be a perfect fit for dan quinn it really would be. He yeah. knows Russell Wilson. Uh, the team still has some good defensive weapons. They have good corners, uh, as as I think better corners than that the Cowboys do. And uh, they need to figure out what that what that defensive line could do. But again, with a defensive minded coach who loves the blitz like uh, Dan Quinn, he'll figure it out. Yeah. The Broncos' defense, actually, for the most part, has been good this year. They were, they're iffy against the run. That's their only downside if you were to look at it. But considering all they've lost over the years and most of that team being young, their defense has actually played very well. And considering also how bad their offense has been, how much they're on the field this year. Too. Yeah. So that has to wear down on them. Because the Broncos, in addition to being just a really bad statistical offense, they go three and out the most in the league. They have the least, they have the least motion in the league, so they're not even trying to tire out the other defense. And... How bad was Nathaniel Hackett with clock management? They had to literally hire an assistant coach just to create a position, just to focus on the clock. That's how bad he was with the clock management, third down, fourth down, all that stuff. And it was just so bad. And when you're talking about single seasons that have just been so bad with coaches, probably only Urban Meyer, maybe Freddie Kitchens recently were worse than what Hackett did this year because this is a talented offense. And they don't have a major flaw in them either. It's not like you have the Bengals offensive line that Burrow had two years ago or you have this god-awful running game. They have talent. Is it great? Maybe. We don't know. But it should be better than what it is. And by the way, for all the Giant fans that – Wanted to run Daniel Jones out of New York. Are, are you going back on what you, you said over the last couple of years? Who has Daniel Jones thrown to this year? Slayton's been a good number two, probably three. He is not even a number two. They have nobody. They had Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones in their offense. Now, obviously, Thomas uh, has played fantastic. He's a good tackle. 
the offensive line has not really held up all season long. Dable is a great coach. I think he's coach of the year. If you you want to ask me who coach of the year is with the, the amount of nothing they had offensively, it would be Dable. But they probably won't give it to them. They'll give it to Philadelphia's coach. But Daniel Jones, 3,028 yards, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, passing rating 90.7. For nobody that he's thrown to this year, could you imagine if he had wide receivers he could throw to? 4,000 yards. Probably would have ran six to 700 yards if it opened up the offense a little bit more. He is your quarterback of the future. And if somehow this organization decides to part ways for him after having a season that he had this year, and he has definitely grown, Jeff and me are probably the only ones that stuck up for this guy. Really, is serious. Yeah, It's not – I can't sit back and say that any Giant fan thought that this was going to happen. This guy has put up decent numbers as a starting quarterback with nothing there. Nothing. He has thrown over 3,000 yards. I can't even tell you the last Jet that's thrown over 3,000 yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Probably. Okay? It is horrible for every single Giant fan to put this kid down. His completion percentage, over 66%. That's that's good for what it was over the years. I just, for any of the Giant fans that think that this guy isn't the guy, I don't know what you're watching. Even if you do have a little bit of doubt still. What's your realistic plan with the Giants where Go they draft are? another quarterback? Yeah, which you're going to do in the middle of the first round or later in the first round. It doesn't seem like that's going to be an effective strategy to just throw a dart throw and hope to get to that. To that. Yeah, maybe you want to bring in... Well, no, they do have Tyrod Taylor as a backup, so even a competent veteran backup Give me if a you're break. worried about that. Whatever, regardless, like that's your plan, though. You're, like, you're going to have to try to... Hope another veteran quarterback is going to pan out here. Yes, Dable's scheme has been fantastic. I, it's been very good. It hasn't been the reason a game has been lost yet this year, regardless of the talent. Because, yeah, the receivers are the worst in the league right now, and the offensive line is still below average. So there's a lot that's going to be have to factor in. So unless there's something that becomes available that you can get on a bargain for a quarterback trade, you're not going to have a better option. I uh, Honestly, they're not going to have a better option for the next couple of years where they're going to be drafting. They're in the NFC East. Everybody knows one of the better... It's not a good defense. When they, when they start playing harder and the NFC becomes more better, it, it's not... It, the, the NFC East isn't dominant. Yeah, they got to okay? play the AFC East and the NFC West next year, too, so that's going to be hard. They're not... This isn't going to be easy for them next year, either. But if they... They have a lot of money to spend in the offseason. They got to add some wide receivers to this roster and not Kenny Galladay. They need to find somebody. Maybe, honestly, if the Jets let go of Corey Davis, I would jump on that. You got a big wide receiver. You could put him, yeah, he doesn't stay healthy, but you're not going to have to pay him a lot. And Corey Davis would be a, a, better than any wide receiver they have. Um, maybe uh, if somebody becomes available in the offseason, there will be a couple of wide receivers that will be available. Right. Where you're not going to have to overpay. You, you can add two or three pieces to this team. And if you add two Three wide receivers, actually two wide receivers to Slayton, you're in good shape next year. I think Daniel Jones is the answer. I think you can win with Daniel Jones. I think Saquon has done enough this year that you have to resign him. You just have to. You can't let this guy go to free agency. You can't. I understand that he's his age is starting to, you know, make you think that. But remember, sure. he's missed two, three years, two years of 100% health because 
of of his injuries. So he doesn't have a lot of lot on his legs the last couple of years. So you could get another year at least from from three from a three year. I would sign him to a four year deal. I would. I don't know if I pay him sixteen seventeen million. Yeah, I don't know if you can. But I I give Saquon twelve. Yeah. Something what Austin Eckler got would probably be good, which was about 12, at the, which was actually, I think it was like 10 and a half at the time. But even now, even you want to adjust the contracts a little bit, 12 in that range probably is fine because we've seen second contracts with a lot of these running backs not work when they're I over. think 12 would be a nice number. Okay. It's a nice round-off number. It'll make Saquon happy. Four years, give him $28, million guaranteed. And then you decide if he, if he has... You know, a good two years, you, you keep him on and you see what you have and try to win a championship with him for the next four years. And I think you can with Daniel Jones. Right. They just need to figure out what they're doing offensively I, and that offensive line. I think the approach for the Giants long-term, even if they whether they make the playoffs or not, even if they make it, they probably wouldn't win a playoff game. But regardless, they're going to be I think they're ahead of schedule. They, of course they're ahead of schedule, yeah. They're, the Giants were supposed to be like a five-win team this year. I thought they would be a little better with the schedule, but nobody expected them to be 8-5-1 and one at this point in the season. So even so, the approach should be give Daniel Jones a probably like a three-year deal that's a good quarterback deal and something that could be tradable if he doesn't work out down the road. Because maybe down the road, if the Giants still have their issues with their wide receivers and their offensive line and all that stuff and he takes a step back, yeah, then maybe you think about moving on. But we're, down the road, we're not going to know who these quarterbacks are going to be that are going to be this high at the moment. It's, they're too early to tell. Wide receiver, draft one with that pick, and then trade. maybe make a trade for another one that's a 2020 draft pick. Because there's a lot of them that aren't first-round picks that maybe— Well, they have, they have all their first-round draft picks. And there are a couple of good wide receivers going into the draft this year. Uh, where the Giants will be drafting will be in the 20s. They could still get a pretty good— There are more wide receivers in this year, draft class than, than it was last year. And that's right. why, you know, obviously uh, Green Bay had to really take a flyer on Christian Watson, and it's worked. But it's also Aaron Rodgers throwing them the ball. So I, I you need to find a, an elusive, very talented route runner that you can get in the draft. And there are a couple of good ones I've seen right. on the board that might fall to them in the 20s. There's also depth in the second round, too, if they don't if they say have to trade a first round pick to get a wide receiver that's available when it comes to these 2020 draft picks that it, not all of them are going to be able to be paid. Cause a lot of them besides Jefferson, a lot of the ones that have broken out in their careers have not been first round picks too. guys like T Higgins, guys like Michael Pittman. If they become available, Gabriel Davis for the bills. Like, well, last year's class uh, of wide receivers are pretty damn good. No, I know. I, mean, I know that. I'm not Garrett Wilson, London and Alave and even Watson. Watson has a chance. What is Watson right now? Christian Watson, if I'm, I'm I'm trying to see what his numbers are. Watson's right there on the borderline of having 800 yards right now. Watson has, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Uh, Watson has 500 yards and seven touchdowns. And he, he's starting to really pick up the game. Right, which doesn't mean game. he couldn't. He just have to see it on a longer sample. Yes, the, but the I, I, I did, in the next two weeks, he could still have 700 yards. He could break 700 yards. If he has 100-yard games, yeah. But even so, the 2020 draft is definitely interesting because we saw the 2019 draft this offseason. All those guys wanted to be paid this year, yep. even if they weren't first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin got paid. Debo Samuel got paid. DK Metcalf got paid. Who says that pattern doesn't continue with this with this crop? It and, probably will. And not all those teams are going to be able to do it. Now, obviously, the Vikings will resign Jefferson, the Cowboys with Lamb, all those guys that are that are surefire. But the guys that weren't first-round picks, are those, all, all those teams going to pay their guys? If they don't, the Giants probably should swoop in and do that kind of thing where they could trade for 
Ayuk or Higgins or Pittman, somebody like that to help out. Gabriel Davis with the Bills. Like, that's a good scheme fit for Dable already. So, like, something like that could happen where if you don't have to trade a first-round pick, then draft another guy with it. If you do have to trade one, you get a, a, a top-wide receiver, then you draft one in the second round, too. At least you have a better core with, with Slayton as a third guy than having what they had this year. And, and they'll have better, and then I, I think that will absolutely help them because Daniel Jones, I think, is the guy. I think they, they, found, they finally, and Gettleman was right about him. I don't care what anybody says about Gettleman. He was right about uh, their their defensive tackle. Who, who, Dexter uh, Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, and that was the same draft class. Mm-hmm. Dexter Lawrence is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Uh, he really is. He's yep. been fan. Clemson, uh, I, I thought he was drafted a little high. I, I a thought lot he was, of people did, yeah. I, I thought he that. was uh, end of the first round, beginning of the second round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, boy, oh boy, he is really pretty. Is he Quinn Williams? No. Is he... Any of the elite, elite uh, Aaron Don, Aaron Donald? No, no. But I, I think he's right there in the top ten. I, I would say he's, 10, he's definitely nine, top ten, t- ten or nine. I think he's right there. So uh, Dexter Lawrence is really produced. He's really showed up, and I think that was a great draft pick uh, for Gettleman. So for all the Giant fans that took shots at Gettleman, Saquon, he's he's been pretty good. He's been a pretty good Giant. Um, Dexter Lawrence has been a pretty good giant. Daniel Jones has been a pretty good giant. Slayton, who they drafted was uh, by Gettleman, has been a pretty good giant. So uh, if you look at the draft classes, they're not so bad by Gettleman. They're really not. It's just some of the things that he did over the years. The Kenny Galladay, I mean, that's really strapped them. Even next year, it's going to strap them. They're going to have to decide what they're doing with that. So, uh, yeah, big mistakes. But, again... I, I think the Giants are going to be positioned very, very well going into the offseason. Um, this whole Carlos Correa thing is starting to grow legs. And I, I've been saying this over and over and over again about why the Giants decided to not give him that contract and decided not to uh, move forward with the contract. And we don't know how significant this injury is or the future of Correa could be. We do know that Carlos Correa is 26, 27 years old. He's still one of the better infielders in the MLB. I would say top 10 in the league. Power, hits for average, had a good season last year on a very bad Twins team. Is he going to get this contract somewhere else? Now, if I were the Mets, I would go to at least seven doctors. I would ask the seven doctors, not your own doctors. No, God, no. <laughs> seven different doctors. Ask them, how bad is this injury? How long is this injury going to take that it will affect him in his future? If it's, they believe they can estimate, they can't, they said, we can't estimate it, but we're predicting it could be five, six years. If it's five, six years, and you can win a championship with Correa, then that contract is worth it. You sign him the 12 years, you give him the $315 million. If they're saying it's bad and in the next three, four years he's going to need surgery, then I would have to renegotiate this deal and try to you know, uh, overpay for the you know six or seven years that you're signing him, give him like $45 million a year, and just go with that. You cannot give them a 12-year deal if you think or they think that this could this injury could cause them trouble in the next four years, three years. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how bad this is. It's 
some people say it was an old foot injury from when he was 19. Some people say it could be a hip problem, a knee problem. Um, something else. Shoulder problem. Shoulder too. problem, yeah. too. And if, it, if that's true, he's going to be an automatic DH for the rest of his career. Right. And you're going to pay an automatic DH about $28 million. And I've said this again. I'm going to go back to the the uh, other teams and, and, and paying DHs that kind of money. I am not, I repeat, not paying an everyday DH $27, 28000000 million because it's not worth it. I'm more worried about the years when it comes to the the whether when he has to be a DH or whether he has to be a DH down the road because the Mets already had to deal with this not too long ago with mm-hmm. the end of David Wright's career when yep. he had spinal stenosis. Yep. It was a not a directly baseball-related injury, and if they figure out the same kind of thing with Carlos Correa, would he have to retire early? Would he have to... Would he have to play less games a season, and they have to manage it like the Mets had to do with David Wright? Now, I'm not saying that that, that David Wright would have affected the Mets into the playoffs because they weren't going to go anywhere at that time anyway. Nope. It was two bad years in a row. This is a good Mets team. This team cannot risk that kind of thing where they have to try to coddle him to be able to play like that later in his career, and that's the risk you would have to run if you give him a 12 year deal. So now I think it's more likely that. Dansby Swanson's contract is the predecessor for what to look at for Correa. Now, Correa has obviously been better in his career. There's no way he is taking a pay cut. I didn't say a pay cut per year, I'm talking about. Years wise. Swanson, what did he get? Seven years, 177, which is about 27 a year. He needs more than that. He's going to get more than that. If you're going to cut the years. You're going to have to pay him at least 35. You're going to have to pay him in the 30 to 35 range because of that. Mm -hmm. Now, well, how much is going to help other teams get involved in this bidding war is another question. Now, if they're that scared of the injury, how many teams are going to bid? That depends. San Francisco, on, that depends on the severity. The Dodgers of the aren't going to do that. No, not they're, anymore. They're not. They're not. And, and the Yankees aren't doing that either. The Yankees aren't going to go after Carlos Correa. They're not stupid. Now, they, they've been an organization that have, you know, they've jumped the gun a little too quick, like the Mets did with the Carlos Correa thing. Sure, I can't see the Yankees doing that. So it's not the Yankees. So. What high-profile team would do it? Now, that's the other question, too. What is Carlos Correa actually going to be seeking with this contract? Maybe the Braves? Yeah, because it's going to get other, I'm not going to say like low-market teams, but middle-tier contenders involved in this bidding war, too. Because if they feel like they can stretch out the years if nobody else wants to give them the years, if Correa prioritizes the years more— and then make it top heavy towards the end of his the, the beginning of his contract. Maybe his first four years get most of the money where they could afford to have a DH that's paid at a good contract later in his career. Then they could do that kind of thing again. It'll depend on what the injury is and how severe it, it'll end up being. Because obviously it's an unknown injury, but it's something he's played with for most of his career. Maybe it isn't that bad, but again, long term it could be like mm-hmm. David Wright's. And if that's the case, yeah, you're definitely not going to want to pay him back end towards the end of his career to be a DH when he's already a top defensive shortstop. And that's what makes it tricky to judge that kind of market and what Carlos Correa actually wants. Now, he won a championship already with the Astros, but, again, the whole cheating scandal is he want to win one legitimately. Does he want to say, all right, I can win one without having to use these things? Now, he's not going to say that himself, obviously. Jose Abreu decided to jump ship from Chicago, sure. yeah. and this was a team that a lot of people thought 
was the future of baseball, and he jumped ship and he go play for the Astros. Why? Because the Astros have a better chance to repeat this year than than obviously Chicago does. Yeah. And that's what happens. Players get sick of losing. It's not about losing. It's about winning. And I know it's all about making money, but these players have made enough money in their careers for their children's 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 children. Mm-hmm. So it's not even about the money anymore. It's about winning and, and winning that title. And you could see Justin Verlander needed to jump ship. He left uh, Detroit. He went over there to win with Houston. And he knew that Houston was a good young organization that has a very good farm system. And, and they, they know what they're doing. And after winning two titles over there, he, he decided to take the money. He's won his championships. If the, And he went to a good team. The Mets could still win with him. He, they could. Now, will they? I don't know. I think they're too old when it comes to that uh, that rotation. I, I just as talented as the the names in that rotation is. I can't. Tr- First of all, the Japanese kid, and, and Singa. Singa. I don't know what he is. Do I think he'll have a good year this year? Yes, because nobody's seen him pitch. What is going to happen after that? He signed a four year deal, a five year deal. That. It could be another bust for them. And that's another bust for, guess what, Uncle Stevie. The whole Verlander thing, He's he won a Cy Young this year in the American League. He was also in one of the best rotations in baseball. He was protected in that rotation with the young guns that they had. Okay? And that, and that lineup and that defense. How good is he really when, when he goes to a team like the Mets who doesn't have that defense like that and doesn't have that – uh, you know, rotation like that. And Max Scherzer, we all know what he is. He's a good pitcher. He's old. He's old. So uh, Josh Norman just signed with the Panthers practice oh, squad yeah. after a brief retirement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. What's that going to do? Oh, impact their team culture. Nice job. Yelling <laughs> on the Norman. sidelines. Yep. Maybe maybe, maybe him maybe maybe the he's just low sign. Why did he do it now? They're out. They're not making the playoffs. Maybe him and can Oka- they can they make the playoffs? They can, but again, it's not going to help him anyway. That's not the biggest issue with their team anyway. He's not going to do much. He By might. the way, that division is horrible. Well, we know that, yeah. But even so, the the, 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 the do you believe the Buccaneers have a chance to win that division if they win this week? Mm-hmm. Is it this week? If they yep. win this week, they it win is. that division. Correct. It's it, it's that's ridiculous. A team that bad who's played that bad. Has a chance to win the division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always one of them. Like every like three or four years, there's always that one division that says, "Oh God, how do they?" Have Tom to Brady's team? been good. Tom no, Brady's no, had a good season. Nobody's denying that. I mean, just say like when you're judging the track record, the NFC always has that. Like every three or four. And years. the Panthers, if they win this week, and the and the Buccaneers lose, they they could. Well, they play head to head, so they're going. They're, yeah, they'll decide it essentially if the Panthers have a shot. Because if Tampa wins, yeah, they'll be they'll, they'll clinch it because they already they already have head to head on the Saints, so that would knock out the Saints. That's crazy. The Panthers so. fire. And and by the way, Wilk could get could get a, the coaching job. He, he could, yeah. Steve Wilk, and the, he should if he gets to the playoffs, regardless of the record or not. I, I mean, to, uh, <laughs> Matt Rule couldn't cut it, and they bring in this guy who got pretty much thrown to the wolves after his first year for Kingsbury, who to me should be fired at the end of the season. He's been just absolutely horrible. And by the way, I heard that Kingsbury's job is not safe. Nor that he <laughs> that he he's lost. Uh, 
he's lost the locker room and that he's lost his quarterback, that there's something going on with him mm-hmm. and his quarterback. It's coming to the point where he should be a scheme-proof quarterback, Kyler Murray, just like with what we were talking about with Russell Wilson. Like, he should be able to be able to, as he's good enough to be adaptable to another, to another offense. Why not try it? Even if it's not an offensive coach, try a different offensive scheme because he misuses the pl- other players and they have a good variety. I'm not saying they have like this lethal, most talented offense, but yeah. they have a good variety of player types. DeAndre Hopkins, good, well-rounded receiver. They they have speed guys, Rondell Moore. Greg mm. Dorch is a big-bodied kind of in-between guy. They have a tight end, Zach Ertz. They have Trey McBride, who could be a good hybrid. They could make him like these other, like a Mark Andrews. They can make him like that type of player because he has a similar body type. They have different types of running backs, yet he misuses them in all the wrong ways. And that has a lot to do with coaching. That also has a lot to do with, um, you know, the injuries. And, and by the way, Robbie Anderson, I think he just lost control. And he, Matt Rule cannot yeah. control uh, his former player in college. He he just couldn't. And that's why they traded him. And he went, to, by the way, to Arizona to Kyle Kingsbury. And, and he's been an absolute joke. And, and and with the whole Hard Knocks thing with one of their coaches that they, they wouldn't even let Hard Knocks record that that part from in New Mexico Damn. and that they fired him because nobody knows what he did. But something he did something that was unethical wow. as as far as what I've heard. So yeah, it just look. it's just disgraceful. He should be fired. He should be. Now again, you're you're he, and, but the reason why they extended him at the I want to know why they extended him at the end of the year last year. Uh, I understand they had a good season. They lost in the first round. I understand against the Super Bowl champions, but to 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 sit here and then give him a three year extension after giving Kyler Murray the contract that they gave him one of the highest paid contracts in NFL history. I, and I'm, I still think Kyle Murray has something. I think he's good. I think Depending his cockiness. How healthy he is, I think yeah. his cockiness needs to go away. I think he needs to realize that it's not about Kyle Murray. Stop talking talking about yourself in a third person. Well, yeah, the injuries too. We have to see how he comes back from this the non-contact DCL injury. He'll be fine. We'll 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 see. But even so, he's worthy enough. I think the way he's played on his own makeshifting plays. Not that he does it like super consistently, like Lamar Jackson or something like that. But you're looking at a case where. I, that's not Cliff Kingsbury doing all of that. Now, I'm not saying Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible coach, but he's, a, he's pr- a below average, I would say. And it's definitely something where you could look at a 4-10 and 10 season and say you could go in that kind of direction if something else becomes available, whether it's an offensive coach like a Eric Bieniemy or Byron Leftwich or something like that, or a defensive coach and a good coordinator to go yeah. with that. And I think, I, I think also when you look at uh, the big picture, obviously – with the the position that the Arizona Cardinals are in going into the offseason, they have to decide on where they are with the coach and the quarterback. And if Kyler Murray isn't the guy, maybe you try to trade him in the offseason. Somebody maybe will take that contract if they think that they can get a, they can get more out of Kyler Murray's contract. I don't think that's possible. I think I they give think him too much. I don't think it's the right year to do it. No, and, and coming off an ACL injury. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but there might be teams desperate. Yeah. There might be teams desperate. But even so, like if you, let's say you have a coach that comes in and Kyler Murray maybe doesn't improve the way he should the first year because of the injury, but still bounces back the second year, and then the rest of the team is down, then maybe that's the point you, you ended up getting out. Because it is a big contract for Kyler Murray, and running quarterbacks sometimes do not have the same longevity as we've seen with guys like Cam Newton that a pocket quarterback would have. Now, it's a different era of football, like we were saying earlier, so maybe they have – they have it where that becomes a norm now, and coaches learn how to protect their guys. That's why I'm saying they might need that right type of coach. Cliff Kingsbury, yes, he's done 
all right at certain times battling through injuries, but at the same time, he also lost last year to two teams that had all these COVID concerns, the Packers and the Rams, all in the same week, and they had nothing. They lost to both of those teams that year. This year, they've lost a lot of close games. They, they haven't really had any, like, statement wins. You say, wow, this team is back. No, they haven't had that this year. They shouldn't be 4-10. and 10. Now I want to go to the playoff picture right now for the NFL. And we have uh, 13 minutes left of the show. It's so very interesting how it's falling together and how open the NFC and the AFC is. I mean, there's no, there's nothing set in stone yet except the, the two top seeds. That's it. We all know that the Eagles, really, in the NFC, the Eagles are definitely, they're, they're going to be, and actually, the Eagles might not be the number one seed. Thirteen and two. Well, they're the, not. Yeah, they're not locked in yet. If, but if the Vikings win this week and the Eagles lose, well, yeah, they have the same record. The Eagles would have to lose to the Saints. So I think that would take a again. If that would take so that let's say the that. Eagles are locked in. The Vikings are not locked in because they got to play the 49ers, right? Or no, they're no, not, no, they got to play the Packers, Packers. and the Bears yes. in the year. Packers are on the road. Bears are at home. They're so. going to lose against the Packers. So San they'll beat the Bears. San Francisco. If they if they win out, we'll get the two. Seats they got the Raiders point. and who? They got the Raiders and the Cardinals. So they should win. They're out. gonna win out. They should win out. If if they win out and they lose one game, the Vikings they lose against the Packers. Yeah, then forty the Niners. The Niners. The Niners can move to the two. In that case, I'm trying to figure out the exact tiebreaker. I got the machine up in front of me. So if the Vikings lose to the Packers, yep, they would they would flip flop. So if both teams finish thirteen four. Then the 49ers are the two seed. If the Giants win this week, which they should, they clinch a playoffs. They'll clinch the sixth seed. Yes. Uh-huh. So the Giants will make the playoffs right. in the first year of Dable, which why I think Dable has had a sensational year. The Washington football team, I mean, the Washington Commanders, they really have to win both their games. If they lose one of their game, one, and the Packers win out their games, the Packers make the playoffs. Yes, that is correct. So because that's where the tie would hurt them. Yes. Yeah. So, it, and 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 Washington has to play in Cleveland f- at home. Yes. This week and then uh, home against Dallas next week. Now Dallas again. We'll see. They might have clinched something by then too. So maybe they're playing. Back Dallas will play well. all their guys because um, they might be locked in the five seed though. So maybe they don't. So mm. that that is one of the things that could help Washington. Now then again, it's the maybe Jenner Jerry Jones the NFC East rivalry. They want to keep Dallas out or they want to keep Washington out. I don't know, but. Mm-hmm. That might be dumb on their part too, if they want to get other guys hurt. Because Dallas has some injury concerns this year too. That they might, especially since they're an older team. I don't think they have to worry about that. They have to worry about getting into the playoffs and, and going on strong going into the playoffs. They cannot well, sure, yeah, lose a game because they want to give Washington opportunity to make the playoffs. No, I know that. I mean, I, they, they still want to play well. I I, th- I wouldn't be worried about who would they win or lost because we've seen Dallas streak into the playoffs and then fall apart, and we've also seen Dallas stumble in the playoffs and fall apart too. So. Both ends of it are bad. For as Jones. far as the AFC, uh, the Bills and the Chiefs are going to be the two top seeds, unless some some catastrophical you know drop down. Yeah. The Bills will be now. The Bills have to play the Bengals this week. They do, and and the Bengals have a chance now. If they beat the Bills, they'll get twelve, and and then the Bills and the Bengals will have the same record, and obviously the Bengals will have the tiebreaker. Yep. But the Bills have the Patriots. On next Sunday, and I think the Bengals have they will play the Ravens at home. Yes, and I think the Ravens need that game. 
Yeah, the the the, so, the, the Chiefs should win out too because they got to play the Broncos and the Raiders. And Lamar Jackson should be back next week, right? And that'll that'll be a lot to judge of where of how legitimate of a shot that the Bengals the, that the Ravens actually have of winning the division. Because if they if the Bengals win this week against the Bills, they'll keep that uh, keep that lead for now. Now the Ravens get they get to play against the Steelers, which they should win. But if they don't, then the Bengals. And that's why I think the Patriots are going to have problems beating the Bills in the final week because the Bills are going to need that game, and they're going to go in and they're going to they're going to do everything they can to win. Now, if the Bills beat the Bengals, then then they should have the number one seed. I mean, they're not going to have it on lock necessarily because the Chiefs still have to lose. But odds are they're still going to get it. The Patriots they would have to win one of these games, of course, to make the playoffs. Yeah. They have to win one. Yep. And they have the Dolphins. And actually, they would have to win both the games. I'm sorry. They would have to win both their games because they have a 7-8 record. Yeah, they, they unless somehow the Dolphins lose both yes. their games. The Patriots yeah. would have to win both of their games to make the playoffs. Right. Uh, the Jets would have to win both their games, and the Patriots would have to lose one. For them to make the playoffs, right, and that they have that one would have to be not the Dolphins because if the Dolphins win, they're in. Yes. But if the if the Dolphins if the Patriots beat the Dolphins and the Dolphins still lose to the Jets and the Patriots, the Dolphins have to, to play Buffalo. the Jets in the final week. So I don't I don't think Miami's losing it, but yeah, but I, again, we don't know if Tua is going to be one hundred percent healthy. Uh huh. So if if two is not one hundred percent healthy, how do you how do you think they can win with Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater against the Jets? I don't think so. Again, I don't. Again, it's also a question of the Patriots' offense. Kind of, how much can you trust them? Because we've seen Miami have trouble defensively the last couple of weeks, but those are teams that could get chunked. I think the Titans are done. I, I do. I think they yeah, lose against like the Wilson's Cowboys. Starting? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I I think they're I think they're done. Uh, the Steelers are definitely done. I, I I have to give the Steelers a lot of credit. You know, the for the amount of you know crazy stuff that's happened this year, they have a chance to win. They another season where their coach Mike Tomlin could have a winning season. They well, are, they have to win out for that to happen, but yeah, even if they're eight and nine, that's still a very successful season considering their expectations. And then the Raiders, who are right now six and nine, they have a chance, but they're not making. No, the they need they need like seven different things to happen for them to get in. <laughs> but it, it's really the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Jets. That's where I think it lies, and um, it's going to be an e- interesting weekend to say the least, because right. the Dolphins have to play the Patriots now. If the Dolphins beat the Patriots, they're in. They're in. Actually, they're not in. Yeah, they're in. Yes, they are. They're in at that point because they would be How? Nine, nine and seven. They're nine and seven. If the Jets win their two games and 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 they beat the they beat the Dolphins, they're nine and seven too, and they've beaten the Dolphins twice. So they're not in. Nine and seven, nine and eight. They and would then, not be in. Oh, okay. So that would depend. That's interesting because that would depend on if the tiebreaker ends up being head to head or not. Because it the, is. And if, 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 if it's head to head, yeah, the Jets get in then. Yep. If the Jets, if even if the Dolphins beat the Patriots this week, okay, the Jets win this week against Seattle, and then they beat the Dolphins the week after. Yeah, you're right. It's the Jets are in. Yeah, because yeah, the Jets are in. The Patriots being out. And the only they're... way the Jets, the the only way the Jets don't make it, is if the Patriots win both these games. Yeah. Then the Patriots. No, yeah, the, the, the Patriots at nine and eight. Automatically eliminates the Jets. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, in that scenario, you would be right because yeah, the Patriots losing would to Buffalo too would also knock out the head-to-head possibility of that. So yeah, the Jets would get in if both teams were nine and eight. So yeah, I guess the 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 Dolphins. The only way is if the Patriots the Patriots win 
one of these games. But yeah, the Patriots are in the toughest it, scenario, being that they have to play. No, the no, Bills. no. Patriots have to win both their games. Yeah, because they're the, seven and eight. The, the the only way the Patriots would get in at eight and nine is if the they beat the Dolphins and the Dolphins. They got to win both their games. If they, they have the same record as the Jets and the the Dolphins, they're in. Well, yeah, and eight and nine. Miami loses out, and the Patriots only win that game. They would still, they would still get in with the divisional tiebreaker at that point too, because they would have swept. The and it will all go back yeah. to if the Jets win both their games and they they lose because the Patriots win their final two games. It'll all go back to those losses against the Patriots, mm-hmm. both is, of them, and is, the Lions, where right. they should have won that game too. Which is going to hurt a three-way division tiebreaker too, where the Dolphins. It looked like they were cruising for a while with the division because they were they beat the Bills early in the season, they beat the Patriots early in the season, and then since then they would have stumbled. And those two games being both divisional, they would stumble out because they'd be two and four at that point. It's crazy how this, how everything falls around. What is the your favorite Christmas candy? Snug said, to you. What is my favorite, specifically Christmas, Christmas candy? Yeah. Because there's a lot of candy I like. My favorite chocolate candy are Take Fives, and my favorite, of course, no- my something fa- weird. Uh, yeah, it's I love chocolate covered pretzels. So that's uh, with a pretzel inside of that with caramel. That's my favorite chocolate, chocolate type. But if you're judging just like exotic candies, like I like the Ghirardellis, I like the truffles too. If you want to judge chocolate ones as well. By the way, what a deflection by Bergeron! Mm-hmm. What a deflection! Wow. They're going to win this game. Vintage, what a good game, Vintage man. Bergeron. What a good game, by the way. Uh, it looks like the Boston Bruins are going to win again. Yep. They're playing good. They're, their goaltending has been sensational. Oh, yeah. Olmark is the only goalie right now, 1.89 goals against average. The only oh, he's the, he's the Vincent Trophy winner. Only right one below two right now. He's been unbelievable. And their goal differential is plus 55 on the year. It's ridiculous. But I, they can't be this good. We'll see. They can't be. I didn't think they were going to be either. We'll see. They can't be. I, I think something will happen and it'll start falling into a slump. But they're, they're having a great year. So congratulations to the Boston Bruins. But, uh, yeah, that's the outlook of the playoffs. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, Derek, our buddy, on. Uh, so he'll be joining us. We have – who do we have on tomorrow? So uh, this came out of nowhere. On 930, uh, Daryl Reed, who we reached out to like two years ago, actually responded to us on our Instagram. Daryl Reed, ex-linebacker. Uh, he played for the Colts from 2005 to 2008. And I remember Daryl uh, And he played for the Denver Broncos, 2009 to, through 2010. So he'll be joining us at 930. And then at 1030, we had him on at the beginning of the season with the New York Jets. He is a uh, heavy, heavy sports dot com um and he's the host of the Manchild show at boy green paul eston jr mm. will be joining us at 10 30 love to hear what he thinks i know about um Zach Wilson Errol thing. and i both love his personality too mm-hmm. great sense of humor he's got yep with uh with he's a very very good uh positive type guy with the speedy's Jets. gonna go eat oatmeal with him oh god mm-hmm. yes with we'll the get snug. anchorage man on Sometime during the NBA season. It's, oh, that'll it's, be it's, fun. It's, it's NFL time right well, now. Well, it is the NBA season. I, technically, yeah, but it's uh, the NBA doesn't have as much of the big stories right now. We're getting oh, a lot God. of football guys on right Anchorage now. Man. We'll get Anchorage Man on closer to the How NBA wonderful. trade deadline and all that stuff. Well, I like put, we, we, put Anchorage me Man. Anchorage Man was good. He's, he was, uh, but again, because he's a Boston guy. <laughs> No, he he was he was liking the Malcolm Brogdon signing. That's why Snug and Jeff love him so much. Yeah, which has turned out to be good, which is yeah. fine. But he, that's why they love him so much. I don't I don't think he's a Celtics fan though. I don't think he mentioned being a Celtics fan. Candy York, yes. Carl Reed, yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Snug, I didn't say oatmeal wasn't good. I just don't, I'm not going to go out of my way to have it. Snug, you like Candy York? Hmm. 
Boston does love a good parade success. Mm. Mm. Well, Celtics haven't had one since 08, so we'll see if this is their best chance this year. They're not waiting. I wouldn't favor it either right now, but mm. again, who knows? Uh, Snug says, mm. but you have to have reasons in the oatmeal. Okay, Snug. Again, I'm not analyzing oatmeal mm-hmm. right now. It's not that important. I gave you the candy answer. And well, I'm enjoying my candy, York. Yes. Yours and Carl's candy, York. That's right. The Carl Errol York. Yep. Yorks are okay. Oh, f- screw you, Snug. <laughs> Snug taking How do you shots. not like yours? Snug taking the shots. They're good. They're delicious. It melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Anyways, um, great show, Speedy. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank Carl Reed, um, obviously, uh, 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports College Football Analyst. He was fantastic. Thank you to him. Thank you to the fans. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. And uh, yes, We'll have Derek. We'll have a couple of great guests. Well, it, it, we're really excited for tomorrow's show, and it'll be great. And it'll be a lot of banter, and I'm sure a lot of Jeff. <laughs> so um, stay tuned. Um, Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? Yep, I hope everybody listening had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays as well. And if you are traveling back, stay safe, especially in the cold, cold parts of I this country. Sizey, baby. Uh, he says, they do make your farts smell better. Okay, thank Interesting. you, I, If you want to go test that honestly, theory, do it. Honestly, I farted before. I, I don't make my farts smell. Okay. I, I don't think there's scientific evidence with that smell. So. I will say this. My, my farts don't smell ever, but... Uh, you know. Yes. You By the way, uh, it, the game's over. Uh, Boston scores in the open net. Game's mm, over. Uh, they win another. Wouldn't be rough scoring back to his uh, great expressions. As always. Um, that's it. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll have Kenny on tomorrow. Maybe he'll call the show. That'll be great. <laughs> I, I know he wants to stick it in my face that the Giants might have a better record than the Jets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, if the Giants win tomorrow, they no matter what happens, they will. So, I lose. Yep. So Kenny will uh, win the bet. Yep. How wonderful. Anyways, that's it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.